they call these things blue lightning is kind of the nickname they go they go crazy they just they become a blue blur on the ground and it kept coming right towards me so i had to kind of hook it and kind of not fling it but move it away i mean it went from where i wanted to get good video of the snake to where i wanted to like survive to like see the next day sort of somewhere in my brain it switched to like oh shit this could really end bad Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Get the old mute over there. Get ready for it. We're live, though, so start talking. (laughs) Welcome to From the Ground Up Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here for another episode. Um, are we still saying the number five podcast in Indonesia? I don't know. That's are important. we still the number five <laughs> no, podcast I think we in went Indonesia? down, but... We might go I up mean, with this world traveler we have on today. Oh, that's a Who good knows? point. But before we get into that, portcitypythons.com, we have some amazing isopods available as well as some amazing substrates. So I've been working on something that um, so an isopod substrate I've been working really hard on getting kind of the different ingredients to what I want it to be. And okay. uh, this iteration that I have now seems to do really well as far as um, we have cocoa, we have hardwoods, um, we have leaflet litter. I almost stuttered on leaf litter. <laughs> and then we also have uh, actually added calcium as well. So uh, trying to make something that's completely completely together and completely complete as far as completely uh, complete completely complete <laughs> as far as nutrition and as well as uh just the general upkeep of uh, keeps humidity as well as has some extra calcium why am i so bad at oh no today? i'm gonna talk now um <laughs> your turn uh we already said this but uh talk again about southeast carpet fest and how amazing it was and thank you to all the people that put it on and all the people that donated to the auction it really was a great event um, coming up next for us will be April. No, we'll be in New Orleans. Yes. We won't be vending, but we will be at the New Orleans Herb Show March 7th and 8th. Um, so if you're going to be there, come find us or we'll find you, I guess. And we'll be filming <laughs> and everything. After that, we'll be April 26th. We'll be at the Syracuse Reptile Show. Yeah, you know, the good old uh, New Orleans and Syracuse. It's a classic run. So, right. You know, right right in the same area. Um, but other than that, like Joe said, we have um, isopods available, springtails available, and we'll have some new type of isopods available in maybe the next month or so. What are you trying and to say? And you can learn about that once Joe puts a video up about <laughs> our new isopods. Or uh, I'm Instagram scared to picture. even go near them, man. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um, I've never had such a an expensive land shrimp. Bug. Yeah. Um. Someone said to you at Tinley, we will not be at March Tinley this year. We just have way too much traveling going i don't even know when it is we're just traveling too much otherwise um other than that yeah talking always... about traveling we're kind of lightweights i guess compared to the person <laughs> we have on today but for our life it's a lot um but other than that we always have t-shirts available we have no snake well, we have very few snakes available but we'll be pulling our animals out of brumation soon so we'll get that show on the road here very soon Get that show on the road. Um, speaking about being on the road, our guest today. <laughs> oh, well, he's not really on the road, though. 
He's uh, on the in the sky. Um, <laughs> our guest today, Lou Boyer. He is a pilot and also a world traveler, world herper. Yeah, and he puts out a lot of amazing uh, videos on YouTube. You may know him as Lou B747. So, Lou, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for hanging out with us. Hey, thanks. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on. I, <laughs> I hope I can keep the uh, show going for a couple hours. Uh, we'll see. Uh, oh, don't worry. It'll be a lot easier than you than you think it will be. So, uh, obviously, you just put out a, a video in Thailand. So, um, how did that come to be? Yeah, I, I I fly for a Japanese airline. I fly 747s, hence the uh, Lou B747 channel name. And I do a lot of trips to Tokyo. I also do a lot of trips to Bangkok. And I just, every time I go somewhere, instead of going and sleeping in the hotel, <laughs> like I probably should, I, I, I hit the field and go out looking for snakes. And uh, yeah, just maybe two or three weeks ago, I was in Thailand. Um, with the community the way it is now with Facebook and Instagram, it's pretty neat because you can meet up with a lot of people that you don't really know but have similar interests. I, I met some guys out there. We went out um, and we just had a blast. We found uh, we found these pit vipers, the large-eyed pit vipers. We found one that was brown, which typically they're bluish to greenish. And so those guys were stoked. I was stoked. Everybody was happy. It was uh, yeah, it was a great time. You know it. Uh, Anytime I go somewhere, I try and make the most of it and see something I haven't seen before. And I mean, those those younger guys that were with you on the trip, um, you know, that that one guy's super big on on Instagram. And those guys all seem to be pretty um, hands on with the reptiles. And it seems like you were not. Yeah, this is a this is a first for me. All my videos I put out mostly like I, I try not to touch the snakes too much. I, I will touch some of them, especially the non-venomous ones, to try and get the best video so I can share the experience with everybody else and share the beauty of the snakes. And even though I have a camera, I use this camcorder here, and it's got a pretty good zoom on it. But that said, sometimes it just doesn't, you just want to get a close-up shot. So a lot of times I have to grab the snake, move the snake, do what I need to to get the shots. And I typically try and make it look like I didn't grab the snake or move the snake, but I did to get it, you know, the shot that worked. Um, this video was a little different. These guys, uh, I guess I'm showing my age here. You know, I'm, I'm 50, I'm 53 now, although I'm hanging out with 20 year olds, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, which is, I, I guess that's, what's really cool about this hobby is that like, there's a huge age gap between us yet when we're out in the field, there's like no age gap between us. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm 20 something, you know, maybe not when I'm jumping over the fences and stuff, but <laughs> But I try and keep up. Um, the younger generation, some of these guys are real hands-on with some of the venomous snakes. And I haven't experienced that before. Uh, you know, it, it's a big mixed bag out there as far as people like, oh, you shouldn't do that. The guys are like, hey, I can do whatever I want. It's my life. Um, you know, I, I, I'm married. I'm a father of two. So I look at things that maybe a little bit differently than a 20-something year old, maybe a 20-year-old version of myself, you know, would have done the same thing they did. And that's not to knock what they did. I think I, I think it's cool, you know. But at the same time, I, I don't want to go to the hospital for, for a bite. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Especially in a foreign country when you have to fly a plane in the next couple of days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't go over so well with the airline. So, um, you know, it's choices people make. And I, I, you know, like 
Chris, who you guys were mentioning earlier, has a huge Instagram following. He's got, I think, like 15 King Cobras. I've seen his King Cobras. He's gotten his King Cobras out. I haven't held the King Cobras, but I've been very close to the King Cobras video in them. And if I felt unsafe, I wouldn't do it. I, you know, that's not to say something couldn't happen, but I try and stay out of strike range where some of these guys are happy to live within that circle. I'm just maybe a little too old, a little too old to live in that circle anymore. But, uh, you know, these guys do, and that's, you know, that's fine. They, they had a good time with good guys. So, you know, I don't know what to say on that. I know, I know there's two, two sides of the fence and, you know, sometimes they meet up pretty strongly in the middle, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I think it, it especially in the States, as far as uh, the venomous community comes, I know that's like such a, a hotbed topic and it's something that like, I don't know. It's like, I don't even want to get into it because it's so nuanced. And... I feel like we can't even comment. I mean, yeah, we don't we have don't them. Even right. So them, like, yeah. I can't say anything about it. I mean, obviously for me, I'm like, I will never touch one. I, I don't even want to put one finger on a hot snake, but I don't own them. So. Yeah. So you know, I, I saw Chris with his King Cobras and he's been working with them for a long time. I believe he worked at a reptile house in Bangkok and like he knows his snakes. He's got 15 different King Cobras. He's got a bunch of other stuff. And like, he knows the temperament of his snakes. He knows if the snake's having a good day or a bad day, like, Hey, we can get this one out or we can't get this one out. And, you know, I trust his judgment. That's, that's his hobby. That's or his reptiles. And again, like you said, it's a, a hot topic. I've never had so many comments as on my last video where they're like, yeah, you shouldn't show people holding snakes. And I, I really didn't even think about it at the time and i should have probably put something in the post on the end of the video saying hey look you know these are venomous snakes maybe maybe you want to think about this if you're going to do this and just because you see me videoing this doesn't mean it's something you should be doing yeah and i think it's uh it's probably a big leap to say that someone's gonna see someone you know chris handling a king cobra and then all of a sudden i'm gonna handle a king cobra because <laughs> i saw him do it i think people are smarter than that you hope i would, I would hope so you know i mean like there's there's always somebody that's going to do something and it doesn't matter what you say or what you do, you know, someone's going to do, people are going to do what they want. And, and I'm not, my channel is, is for fun. I just, I feel lucky and fortunate to be able to travel to the world, you know, most of the places in the world. I like to share what I experience and, 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 and that's basically it. For me, that involves not really, I'll handle some venomous snakes, but not on camera. For one, I'm the only one there. <laughs> I'm all by myself. So, it's a one man show trying to make a video that's hopefully entertaining for people isn't as easy as you might think. And it involves a lot, especially when you got a venomous snake. I, I got a blue coral snake that was awesome. I got some awesome footage. Now to get the awesome footage, I literally had to put a GoPro, you know, about six inches away from it as it came at me and went by me in front of the camera. Now, you know, you just see the shot and go, Oh, look at this cool blue cobra going or blue coral snake going by. But, uh, you know, in the moment, there's a lot going on and it's, uh, you know, I try and put myself in a safe position, but it's not 100% safe all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of your videos, can you talk a little bit about the still that's on the TV behind you? Oh, yeah. This one here, uh, Chinese Cobra, I found in Hong Kong a month and a half, two months ago. Um yeah, I don't, it, it's funny. I live in the United States. I live in Southern California. So I know the rattlesnakes around here. I know all the snake species in the area. 
whenever I travel to a different country, I always do my research and I want to know what's out there that can hurt me or that I just need to leave alone. So in Hong Kong, they have two cobras. They got the Chinese cobra as well as the king cobra. And I've been lucky enough to see both of them there. Um, but knowing the personalities of the snakes and what they're going to do and how they're going to behave, sometimes, you know, <laughs> you just got to learn it firsthand. And this was taken with the GoPro and from relatively close range. That said, I had some tongs. I grabbed the GoPro and I set it in front of the snake. My, my hand wasn't like right here or anything. You know, I'm, not, I'm not crazy like that. But, uh, it, you know, this snake, which was interesting, and maybe they're all like this, it, it hooded up, you know, it wanted to get away. Once it couldn't get away, it said, all right, I'm going to hood up and defend myself. And it defended itself not by really striking. It would strike with its head down, and basically it wanted to headbutt you. It just wanted to scare you away. It really didn't want to bite you. Um, you know, I wouldn't rely on that in case you're on into one, but uh, that's the behavior I saw, which I thought was, you know, quite interesting, really. It didn't, didn't want to bite me. It just wanted to scare me away. And I know that I've seen you find like some crazy cobras in what is seemingly like ditches or something. Is that a similar situation there behind you? Yeah, this was, this was underneath a bridge. There's a, there's a freeway that goes across this. And typically I wouldn't have taken any video there. I just would have moved the snake somewhere else. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things too. I've got the camera, I've got lights, I've got, I'm a one man show is not always easy. It's easy to go look for snakes, but when you want to capture the moment, it's not, it's not as easy as you would think. And so I opted to just leave this guy where he was and I didn't get the greatest audio because it was echoing and, uh, nah, I, I got what I wanted and it was good enough, uh, you know, for the situation. Had I had somebody else there with me, you know, you know, these shows like Brave Wilderness and all that, those, those shows are awesome. I like those shows, but it must be nice to have a team of people with you with, you know, multiple cameras and, you know, it, it would sure make things a lot easier than trying to do it all by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, at this, at this point, as far as uh, when you fly and everything, you're going into different time zones and like, it seems like sometimes you go right into the field. Sometimes it seems like you're losing sleep to go into the field. Like, how do you, how do you manage your time like that? Yeah, there's a, you know, there's a show, The Walking Dead. I, I, I'm going to make my own series called The Flying Dead because literally I, I am a zombie at work a lot because, you know, I'll fly, you know, 12 hours, 14 hours. And if I get there at night when the snakes are out, I'm going out. I'm not, I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to miss out on my opportunities. So a, a lot of my videos, I, I look a little tired and uh, I am tired, to be honest. <laughs> but but I, I've done it the opposite. I've done it where I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to sleep this time. And I'm not going to go look. And then I'll sleep. I'll wake up. And you sure, I feel better. But then I'm like, oh, I missed my opportunity. I won't be back here for another two months. And I, I, I don't know. You know, you, you only have a limited amount of time to, you know, make memories and, and, and experience life. And, you know, you got to sleep. But at the same time, you know, when there's stuff like this out in the field, sometimes you got to go look. <laughs> So what are your essentials when you travel? Like, I feel like you've talked, you've mentioned at least like five or six things already. And so I'm picturing like you have a whole nother suitcase just for herping. Yeah, I've got, well, I just have it sitting here because I was just editing a, vi editing a video, but this is my main camera. I know everybody nowadays uses like, you know, the SLRs, but I use an old camcorder. It's actually not that old. It shoots in 4K. It's got optical stabilization and it's got a really good zoom. So for the tree snakes and stuff, 
This is my main camera. I've got an old GoPro, what is it, a Hero 4. This thing's like ancient, but it's done me well over the years. Um, if it's raining out or I need to get something under the water, I'll use that. I've got a drone that I've added to add a few shots here and there, you know, just for like establishing shots to kind of make more of a, a story. I try and make my videos not like, oh, here's a snake, you know, I try and make it like more of a journey and, you know, so I take other shots. So I bring that, I bring multiple flashlights. I've got headlamps, uh, the batteries for those, um, you know, it's nothing worse than being somewhere and being stuck without a light at night. So. Um, extra sets of batteries and an extra light itself. I bring a rain poncho because I've been multiple times. I've been out in the middle of the jungle and, you know, the thunderstorms come and it is, it, it's an experience. It's, it's an experience the first time after that. You've like, you've had your experience, then it's just not fun anymore. Um, you've got all your stuff you're trying to keep dry, let alone yourself. So I bring a rain poncho. I bring a waterproof backpack if, if I remember to bring it. Um, yeah, flashlights, uh, you know, I bring my phone in case I have an emergency. Uh, one of the things I'd like to mention, if you're ever going anywhere else looking for snakes, guys, um, wherever you are, Hong Kong, Singapore, wherever it is, find out what their local 911 number is. Um, that way, just in case you hit it and someone's going to come find you. Um, it's not 911 everywhere. It's not one <laughs> in the U.S., but they have the, uh, you know, the equivalent number in just about every country I've been to. So... You know, good to have that one ready to go, just in case. Have you ever brought anything back from the field from you as far as like a pest or something? Like, because I saw, I know um, in the last video, it was like a centipede or millipede, this giant, like 12 inch creature. And I believe you said that you've seen them in the wild. Yeah, I've seen a lot of those. Uh, I don't do so well. I love snakes. I don't do so well with like spiders and, and, and centipedes and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's not that I don't like them. I just don't like them on me, you know, and I've, I've been in plenty of places where I've walked through a huge web and all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, you know, oh, can we say that on? I guess we can. Yes, yes, you can. <laughs> you know, but you're like, geez, there's a spider on me somewhere. You know, I, I don't mind videoing that stuff, but I don't like it on me. I haven't had anything join me in a suitcase on the way home that I've been surprised to find, you know, when I've gotten to customs or anything, but, uh, and as far as snakes, I leave everything I find in the field. And that is difficult because, to be honest, there are some really cool snakes in the world. And there are snakes that you don't see at reptile shows. And you just don't see them. And they are stunning in person. And there's been a few that I'm like, oh, I would love to bring this back. But uh, no, haven't haven't done it. So, yeah, I like seeing them out in the wild. And that's nothing against having pets. I have a few pet snakes here. But, uh, you know, I leave what I find in the wild in the wild. Uh, to pause for a second, I don't think we told you before uh, this started that there is a chat going on um, as we're talking, and I just wanted to pull some questions from the chat. Oh, okay. uh, Josh M's asked Lou, where's your favorite place to hurt? Favorite place? Ooh. <laughs> um, that is a tough one. Uh, I love Singapore. Singapore it's special to me because I found I found five blue coral snakes now, and blue coral snakes are probably my favorite snake. I'd pull it up behind me if I could, but the cookie pets over there. But blue coral snakes are—I I don't know—you'd have to see one. It's—they're uh, almost iridescent and they almost glow, you know, in the daylight, and they're just spectacular snakes. So Singapore, I found five of those now. I've been looking for number six for like five years now. So 
I don't know if I'll ever find number six, but uh, so Singapore's good. I recently went to Bali, which I haven't been to Bali in like 25 years. And uh, some guys at Bali Reptile Rescue, uh, Bali Reptile Rescues, if I can say that, they took me out. We found a ton of snakes. That was really, really cool. Um, uh, I love Hong Kong. I, I actually like going anywhere I haven't been before. And, you know, I've done some videos from Chicago where I went out and, you know, like they don't have a lot of species of snake in Chicago, but when it's something you've never seen before, even if it's something as simple as like a, a smooth green snake, I, I know people laugh at that sometimes or a garter snake from the area. If I haven't seen it, it's something I want to see. It's something I want to share. So, you know, will, will a garter snake make my top 10? Maybe not. Although I did find a San Francisco garter snake and that, mm. that was awesome. That, that was a beautiful snake, but, uh, I don't have a favorite destination. I'm always looking forward to the next destination, if that makes sense. And did the flying and herping, have you always done that, that combination, or uh, is that more of a recent thing? Uh, no. <laughs> I've been flying, like, I've been flying my whole life. Uh, you know, started flying when I was 16. I started at the airlines when I was 21, and I'm, I'm 53 now. So I'm at the airlines for, like, 32 years. I've been flying... 747s for probably the last 35 years or I don't know long enough so I've been doing a lot of international flying sadly the snake hobby took off a little bit later I always liked snakes when I was a kid and I, you know I didn't know you could go out and find them like I didn't know that was a thing people did I mean obviously they were out there but I didn't know how easy it would be to find them um, my first job flying 747s we went to South America, we went to Africa, we went everywhere, all these places that now, looking back, I wish I had this hobby back then, because I could have I could have found so many cool things. Now I work for Japanese Airlines, so it's always, I live in LA, it's always Tokyo at first, and then from Tokyo, it's Hong Kong, Singapore, kind of the same Asian places, so I'm sort of stuck in a little bit of a loop there, but now there's still a lot of cool stuff to see there. So I forgot what the question was, but uh, have I always been into snakes? Yes, I guess. And flying, I, you know, it's been my passion since, uh, I don't know, since I was a child, I guess. I always wanted to fly. and It's expensive to do on your own. So I thought I'd make a career out of it. <laughs> and something like Thailand, is that is that just a place that you went one off? Is that you did extra traveling there or you just happened to, to be there? No, we have daily flights there. So what I'll typically do we can fit our schedule for the month, sort of. So like in March, I'm going back to Thailand. Um, the schedulers, the people at my airline think I'm a, well, I don't know what they think. They think I'm out of my mind, I think, because they, they know I go look for snakes, like wherever I go. So, you know, right now in Hong Kong, it's too cold. So I, you know, I put on my schedule request, no Hong Kong, too cold for snakes, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, so I don't want any Hong Kong flying until like April when the season starts back up. But Singapore's hot all year round. So, and same with Thailand. So. I'm like, hey, I want to go towards this part of the world. Now when it starts to, you know, heat up in the Midwest, I'll start going to Chicago or New York or, you know, somewhere else. But I sort of tailor my trips around where the snakes are. And Bangkok is a service we do. We started about a year ago. So I've been there maybe three times now. And I think just about every time I've met up with Chris, Chris Shannon, you guys probably know his Instagram is Chris Sweet. And then there's BKK Herper. He's another guy I met up last time. And uh, there's a lot of cool people that are into it out there. So it's like I have this young 20-year-old family that's like I can go meet out there and we're just, you know, we're into the same things and we go have a good time. And, you know, being the older guy, I can buy them dinner and it's, it's kind of cool. 
And it's, it's very interesting. There seems to be like an actual scene there of reptile keepers. And also they're not of Thai descent. It seems like people from all over the world. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly like who all has what there, but Chris's reptile room, I, I'm sure he's shared, he shared a lot of it, but I know he hasn't shared all of it. Like going to that guy's house is like, it's better than any zoo you could ever go to. Like, like, Bar none. He's got anything you could think of, he has. I, I have yet to share half the videos that, you know, I've taken a lot of stuff and I'm, I'm a little bit leery. I'm taking too much captive stuff because my channel's mostly about finding snakes, but he's got some awesome snakes, like some, you know, green mambas and, and different colored. He's got some, these white-lipped, uh, uh, they're green tree vipers, but his are blue. He's also got yellow ones. He's got eyelash vipers. He's got, he's got you name it. <laughs> You name it, he has it. And is there any restriction in Thailand? Yeah, are there any restrictions on what you can keep? I've never actually asked him, and I, <laughs> I probably won't ask him that question. So, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting, and it's always interesting to see how uh, reptile keepers do it. You know, across the world. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. Like even in California, I when I was. I was in my teenager, I had a Burmese python, and I, I don't even know if I was supposed, I was probably supposed to have some sort of permit for that, but I never did. But uh, I, I think venomous snakes in the U.S., especially like in California, you need a permit of some sort, you know, otherwise I think there's, you know, you find yourself in deep trouble if they found out you had rattlesnakes in the house. Yeah, we live in uh, one of the last strongholds of the had own wherever, whatever you want in here in Pennsylvania. So oh, uh, there's not as many rules here. Okay, Pennsylvania, you can do that. Huh? That's awesome. Yes, the only thing, there's two things. I can't remember the second Sugar one. Sugar gliders? Well, that I remember Very that illegal. one, and I can't remember the second one. Like box turtles and some natives. Eastern oh, the native, yeah, the native stuff ends up being the case, yeah. But, uh, well, that's cool. You can, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I have a family, and I've got young kids, and so I, as much as I've seen some cool coral snakes, I'm like, that'd be awesome. I can get a cool-looking you know, I wouldn't want just an aquarium. I'd want to set them up in something that looked natural. And, and I think it'd be awesome. But the day I come home and the snake's not in the tank would be the day, you know, I'd have to real, really consider what I'm doing. Because, you know, if you're just there by yourself, it's one thing. But my daughter's 12 and my son's 17. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, everybody can do their own thing. But for me, it's just not the right thing in my life right now. But, you know, it'd be cool. <laughs> Is anyone working with the blue coral uh, snake in the States right now? I think there's M toxins. I think they had one up in, in uh, Wisconsin. I know they do a lot of venom lab stuff. I think they had one, but I don't know if they still do. They might. Um, well, Chris, he, he has, I don't know if he's working with them per se, but I think Chris has, I don't know if I should say it. I don't know if he's published it, but I or posted it, but I'm pretty sure he's got a blue coral snake somewhere in that room of his. Or that seems like that would be a pretty notorious amphibian eater. Or? They eat other snakes, I think, is their is their uh, thing. So, but all his king cobras eat other snakes. So for him, you know, feeding him snakes isn't an issue, I don't think. But I don't know if they do so well in captivity. So, you know, I, he keeps what he can keep. You know, like a lot of people, but some snakes I just just don't do so well. There's some cool just oriental whip snakes. I find them in in Singapore all the time. They're beautiful. I think I've seen them in the pet trade. But usually you see them and the nose is kind of, you know, roughed up a bit. They're, 
tree, they're tree dwelling snakes. And I don't know how well they do in a cage unless you had something really big. So there's a lot of cool stuff. I just don't know if it's something you really want to keep. Yeah, I mean, even we see those like uh, racers in the States and stuff like that. And they'll just like pace around a six foot cage for, you know, forever. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. I'm, I'm all for people owning whatever they want to own. I think that's cool. And uh, it's just, you know, when I see some of the snakes in the wild, it's just, I don't know. I see them in, the, especially the arbor arboreal species that love to be in the trees and stuff. And it's, you know, unless you had a wall in your house that had a pretty cool enclosure, it'd be tough to put it in something that was really small where it couldn't actually get out and move. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's, there's some stuff that you see all the time that's common, you know, kept commonly kept in the United States. I mean, uh, I know that there in California, you find California king snakes all the time. Yeah, we fly, kind of, I live in a unique area for the king snakes in Orange County that they're mostly banded throughout their range. When you go down to San Diego, they go from being banded to being striped, which is really cool. And halfway in between, there's some really bizarre morphs that don't really fit too much of a category. And they'll start off with a stripe and then go into some bands and then go back into a stripe. And, you know, they're really cool looking, to be honest. Uh, you know, it's tough not to want to keep those and breed those. And I know people do. But, uh, um, yeah, so I, I, see the, I see the cool ones more often than not. So um, it's, when I see just a perfectly banded one, I'm, I'm happy to see that sometimes because I see the unusual ones a lot. But, uh, yeah, you know, I love what's here. I, you know, it's like where you guys live. I'm sure you've seen just about every wild snake that's in your area. So I still love to go out I, and find all that stuff. But it's awesome going somewhere else. And, and, and it, there's nothing better than being somewhere where you don't know what you're going to find. You know it's out there but you don't know if you're going to find it. So that'd be like me coming out to your neck of the woods and, you know, finding a timber rattlesnake or, or whatever you guys have around a pine snake, something like that. You know, it's, I, I don't know. There's something exciting about that. It's uh, that's my passion is to try and find things I haven't seen. What do you think has caused that separation between, you know, having that one pocket of one of King snakes where they're all banded and having that one pocket where they're all striped? Like I'm assuming some part of, some evolutionary thing. Yeah, I, I read a book from Brian Hubbs. If if you guys are into king snakes, he's the guy. He's wrote a couple books on king snakes, and uh, you know, there was one time he thought in San Diego that there was mostly reeds or something. It was a different habitat, so then the king snakes down there, for some reason, it was advantageous to have a stripe, kind of like most of the garter snakes. All the garter snakes that I can think of are all striped. They all have a lateral line running down the body. And they usually live by water where there's, you know, the, the line kind of works pretty well when there's lots of reeds and stuff to, to blend in with. Um, I don't really know really why snakes are banded. You know, there's a ton of them that are banded, but it, it almost seems like it's a dead giveaway as to where they are. But anyway, his, his assumption was down there, I believe, that it was more marshy, so therefore they, they evolved to have stripes. And then halfway in between, there's the mix of them. So I, I could be wrong, but that's what I think I read. Yeah, just weirdly selected by things eating them, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there, there's that, too. So I was just recently in uh, Thailand where we found a brown. <laughs> it's weird. We were hiking some railroad tracks where all the snakes in that area, there was railroad tracks that weren't being used in the middle of a patch of forest, basically. I wouldn't call it forest, but an overgrown area. And there were tons of frogs and geckos. Now, the frogs and geckos 
it was very easy for them to run along these tracks. So that's where the frogs and geckos were. So all the pit vipers would park themselves on the edge of the tracks. <laughs> and they were just waiting for you know the prey to come by and grab it. And it, it couldn't have been more perfect of a situation. And then when we found one that was brown, I'm like, is this a, like a railroad morph or something? Like, is it evolved to be brown so it, you know, so it blends in with the railroad tracks? You know, I, I know that's not the case because, you know, it would take a long time for that to happen. But it, it almost seemed like that's what was going on. Yeah, and that I saw those were – that was amazing. And then you guys also found, like, what seemed like some type of kukri, right? Yeah, which was <laughs> – that was a weird one because he's like, like, what is it? You know, and, I, and I'm looking like, well, don't grab it. <laughs> they were more nervous to get bit by that than some yeah. of the venomous animals. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we thought it could have been maybe some little coral snake. So we weren't 100% sure. But, yeah, it was a little kukri snake. It wasn't very big. They have those funky teeth. So I, I found kukri snakes, a different species in Hong Kong. And, you know, I... I I know they're not venomous, but I also know they can give you a pretty bad bite. Um, so I don't, I don't handle those. I, I put out a uh, video recently. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I was saving a, a Japanese rat snake off the road in Tokyo. And I was videoing, you know, with the camera was in one hand, the snake was in the other hand, and there was a car coming and it was a narrow road. So I turned to look to make sure the car wasn't going to hit me. And right as I turned around, I, I didn't even see it coming. This thing came and grabbed me on the eye. And uh, it made for a not made for a funny video, I guess, but uh, it definitely caught me off guard. So um, I don't mind being bit by snakes, but the kukri snakes and some of the ones that, you know, the retics get pretty big and they, they can give you a serious bite. So I try and shy away from the ones that I know are going to, you know, cause a bit of an issue. Yeah, and I'd love uh, just seeing you flip like, say, you know, the Chinese corn snake, which I think is a Laffy by Maculata. Yeah, is that what I did? I, I, I'm terrible with the Latin names. I know there's one of them there that, yeah, it's the burrowing of forest rat snake. I also call it the Japanese corn snake. And it's, I think it's worth like two grand on the on the market, you know, as far as uh, if you were to sell them or something. But, you know, I just let them go. But I see them quite a bit. And I just think to myself every time, I'm like, you know, this thing's worth a lot of money. But, uh, you know, and, and I don't know. I'd rather see it go and, and see it again next year. But, uh, yeah, cool snakes. You don't see them in the pet trade very often if at all i don't think are you are you laying tins in most of the locations that you're going to um like <laughs> seasonally that's a tough subject in japan i don't well in japan if i find trash that's like tin and stuff that it's already out there i'll move it somewhere that's more advantageous to me so technically i'm not littering i'm just moving trash from one place <laughs> to another i guess um in southern california it's an interesting group of people here. Everybody's very protective of the board lines and, and rightfully so, I guess. Um, they spend a lot of time, you know, hauling these boards out in the middle of nowhere and setting up these lines so they can find snakes. And do they like it when other people come and flip their spots? Not so much. Now I try and be respectful. I try and put the snake back like I found it. I try and leave the place the way I found it. I even try and video so no one can see where I am. You know, the owner would know if he saw the boards, he'd know. But I'll even cut in shots from, you know, from 15 miles away of just the sky and the mountains just to throw the whole thing off so people don't get mad, you know. But uh, people get very protective of their sites here in Southern California because I think a lot of people all try and hit the same spot. And some people aren't respectful. Some people take everything they find and, 
eventually the spots aren't that good anymore. So I, I understand it, but at the same time, you know, I, I don't know. I don't put anything out there. I know of a few spots I go to that I, I respect them. Some of the owners know I know them and they're fine with me going there. So I usually go to the same few places and I'm happy with that. I, I'd love to set up my own spot. I've been meaning to do it for years, but somehow summer goes and I just family life and flying and everything else. I just never seem to do it. So, you know, every spring I'm like, Oh, I wish I would have set up a line, but I haven't done it yet. Yeah. It seems like there's a, there's a lot of field herpers down there in Southern California. And I think I've pretty much seen the same cow King on like four different <laughs> people's pages. So <laughs> I'm like, Oh damn, that looks exactly like that place that that other dude in San Diego found. Uh, yeah. Cow King. yeah, it is, you know, and, and for the most part, people all, you know, have similar interests and they all get along. But every once in a while, you you know, someone gets upset that you flip their spot. And they'll get upset to the point where they're literally taking all their boards and just tombstone them where they're just sitting up vertically so that no one can find snakes there anymore, including themselves. But they don't care. So it's kind of bizarre. Yep. I know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, I was about to say, I know I've seen some of your videos where you've gone out herping in California and I feel like you were out there for hours on hours and just kept flipping things and not finding anything. And I've seen and you like, like bring your whole family as but well. It, I feel like at least for me, it would be so hard continuing to herp in California when I know in like two weeks, I'm going to be in some foreign, you know, Asian country. Like, how do you keep yourself motivated to herp in California when you know you're going to go someplace cool? Yeah, there, there is that because I have seen everything there is to see here. Now, again, there are some kings that look very different than the other ones, but I, I don't know. There's something I just get a rush out of it still. I, I, I took my wife out and my family once, and it was the first time I took her out flipping boards, and she kind of equated it to like looking for Easter eggs or, or you know, something like that. And it was like, because here you found this board, you flipped it, and you're like, well, you know, who knows what's under there? You don't, you know, could it be an albino or could it be something you've never seen before? You know, mo most likely not for me. But, you know, I also like to share the passion with people that I've connected to on Facebook from all over the world that will come out to L.A. And I'm like, let's go look for snakes. And seeing somebody else's eyes light up when they see their first king snake or their first Southern Pacific rattlesnake, it's it's awesome. I mean, sharing the experiences, that's why I started the YouTube channel was to share the experience. And I don't know. I, I, I really enjoy that. Every year we go out to Palm Springs, which is just about an hour and a half east of here. And for 10 years, I've been doing this kids in the desert where well, that's back when my kids were young, but you know, they've kind of grown up uh, 12 and 17 now, but when they were younger and we still do it, but when they were younger, we'd go out there and I'd bring all these families and it started off with maybe, you know, five or six kids, something like that. We'd go out on the roads at night because you go road cruising because the roads get really warm. And I'd show them, I'd make a little checklist of the snakes you could find. And I, you know, what's this one? Oh, it's a glossy snake. Or that's a long nose. And, well, that's a sidewinder. We can't touch that. And we've been doing it for 10 years. And I think this year will be our 10th year. It's every Memorial Day weekend. Whoever wants to come, come join us. Um, it is awesome. It's grown over the years. To, I think once we had like 40 or 50 people out there. Wow. It literally was like, any other herpers out there probably thought like, you know, like there was a raid going on or something because it was like a, a parade of SUVs going down these, you know, tiny little desert roads at night. You know, it was it, it got a little out of hand, but it, it's it's a lot of fun. So, you know, every once in a while we have people from other countries come or other states. 
And yeah, to share the experience is really cool. So um, there are times of walking around for hours or driving <laughs> hours and not finding anything. And yeah, that, that, that sucks. I, I can't tell you how many videos I've almost made that I've shot the intro. I've shot, I, I try not to add things after the fact because it doesn't seem real to me. So I try and shoot everything as it happens. I'll, I'll get creative with the editing, with the audio, a little bit here and there, but I try not to add any narration after the fact. So, um, and, and that gets difficult because I go to these places and I come home to edit everything and I can't go back and say, oh, I missed a shot of this. I'm, I'm stuck with what I got. So I've shot more videos that ended up nowhere on YouTube and just deleted off my SD card because I, I didn't find any snakes. And, you know, I try and sometimes I'll have, like I'll do one where I'll start my, my watch or I, well, my iPhone, I'll start a timer so you can see, all right, how long has it been? Because no one's going to watch a video for three hours if you don't find anything. So I cut it together, but I'm like, look, it's been an hour. I finally found, you know, a blind snake. You know, it took me that long. Um, so I try and, you know, relate what it's really like. Um, a video never does it justice. You don't know what it's like to be out there, you know, hot and sweaty or cold or whatever the case may be. But uh uh, I, I wish I could truly share the experience, but I do my best. <laughs> yeah, it's like you wish you could truly uh, share the whole experience, but then again, no one would want to watch three hours. Of yeah, I've. I, 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 next time I go to Singapore, there's one park there where I'm guaranteed to find a couple Oriental whips and some water snakes. So I might actually try and just take my camera and say, "Here I am, let's do this," and just walk, and you know, maybe cut it off in an hour. And and I, I doubt. You know, people, people nowadays just hit fast forward or they play it at one and a half times speed or, you know, I know today's youth especially, you know, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of content out there and people don't seem to have time to sit down and watch anything anymore. And uh, it's a little sad, I think, but uh, it is the way it is. And, you know, I try and make my videos again like stories that I hope you see the beginning and you're like, oh, I want to see where this goes. But probably most people just skip the snakes. <laughs> I really don't know. I don't have any way to tell, but uh, anyway, I try to make stories that are interesting, but you know, time will tell, I guess if people watch or not. No, I think, I think the whole thing, the whole, just you being a pilot going around the way, I think people just like that. Like, just cause it's kind of something that everyone's kind of interested. Everyone wishes they could fly a plane, right? Everyone wishes they could fly a plane to go find snakes. I mean, it's really a double whammy. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause yeah, I, I feel very lucky to be where I am. So don't, this may come out the wrong way, but like sometimes when the alarm goes off at 2am and I'm like, and I went to bed at like 11pm and I'm like, Oh, I gotta get up and fly 12 hours. You know, it's like, I love what I do, but some of the middle of the night or the back of the clock where you don't know if it's daytime or nighttime, it gets a little bit old after a while and getting out and finding snakes is kind of like my escape from the flying part of it. And again, I love flying. It's, it's my passion. I love to fly, but flying for a straight line in 12 hours, you know, for 12 hours going in a straight line does get a little bit old sometimes. So, you know, <laughs> uh, when you do stop flying one day, do you hope to increase your captive collection? Uh, here's the weird thing. Um, when I stop flying someday, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to get on an airplane as a passenger and I'm going to go to all the places I didn't get to fly to as a pilot. So I'm going to go out and find all the snakes I couldn't find at this job. Um, 
as weird as that sounds. And my wife, she wants to get like a Winnebago or you know some kind of RV. And basically, I would love to hit all the U.S. And for her, it wouldn't be about the snakes so much. Like she's okay with the snakes, but you know, snakes aren't her passion, I guess I should say. But but she's okay with my hobby. But she wants to go out and just kind of like tour the U.S. So I think it'd be awesome to to just go and not know exactly where you're going. It's like, oh, let's go to New Mexico and hang there and see if I could find something more there and maybe get on Facebook and chat with somebody and, you know, say, hey, I'm up in Colorado, you know, why don't you come up here? And it'd be cool just to work my way across the whole U.S. and, you know, kind of video document the whole thing. So, and is that something as far as uh, her being the U.S., is that something you want to do more of in the future? Is that something that's kind of been under uh, underdone on your part? No, it's – I've I've – I've missed out on a lot. You know, I live in Southern California. I've seen what's here. I've got a brother who lives in Tucson, which is an awesome place for snakes. And every year I just, when it comes August and September, when it's a good time for snakes there, it's kids are starting back up in school or, or there's just a lot going on. And I, it seems like I never get out there. And, you know, my wife's from the Midwest in Kansas city. You know, and, and, and if you know the Midwest, the Flint Hills, especially there's milk snakes, there's all kinds of cool stuff to find. And I want to see it all. There's mud snakes, there's you know, timber rattlesnake. Florida itself's got all kinds of crazy stuff. So I feel like I'm going to all these places other than the U.S. And I would love just to kind of herp in my own backyard, so to speak, in the U.S. And, uh, you know, like I said, with the Facebook thing, I've met a lot of people that are like, hey, if you're ever in New York or, hey, if you're ever in Austin, and I've got all these invites like, hey, I want to go out. And, and that's probably the best thing about my YouTube channel that's happened for me is I've connected with people that kind of dig the same thing I do. And they're like, Hey, I want to go do that with you. And, uh, and I want to go. So all these guys that are saying, Hey, come join me. Look, if I could go tomorrow, I would. Um, but you know, tomorrow's just going to have to wait a little bit, but I, I can't wait to get out and meet everybody and go find everything we can find. Absolutely. And I mean, talking about native herps, I mean, can we talk a little bit about finding the San Francisco garter snake, which if people don't know, I mean, this is probably, if not the rarest snake in North America, one of the most rare snakes in North America. Yeah, that was cool. It's, it's funny. My, my son, I grew up here surfing. I live in Southern California and my son's into the water sports as well. He's big into skimboarding, which is a little bit different, but same idea generally you ride a board but you start from shore and there was a contest up in santa cruz that he was in so my family and i we've done it for two years now this will be our third year coming in june i think but we go up for the skimboard competition and i try everywhere i go no matter what i'm doing i always try to sneak away not from them but i try and sneak away from whatever it is we're doing and go find something that's in the area so all of us went that time and we went up just north of Santa Cruz, there's only a small pocket where these snakes live and you can't touch them. You can't, I don't know what the rules are. I just know you basically got to leave them alone. So we went, my daughter found a garter snake on the ground. That was a coast garter snake, which was really cool. So she picked that up and she's posing with it and stuff, which she likes to pose with like her fingernails and see how the snakes clash with her nails. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting, but um, so anyway, then we found the San Francisco garter snake that was, it was everything I thought it would be. It was just like a pale light blue with the red and the, it was awesome. And I, with the zoom on my camera, that's the one thing that I, if you're going to do any videos, guys, get, get a camera that has a good zoom because some of the snakes you just can't get close to. And that video, 
I, I made that video based on my Zoom. You know, that sold me on that camera after I had it because I got shots I wouldn't have been able to get. It looked like I was right up with the snake, and and I, you know, I'm glad I was able to share something because it's possible those snakes won't be around, you know, in the future. Um, I know they have them in captive collections, but in the wild, I know that area is getting developed, and you know, they might they might be gone in you know 10 or 20 years. I don't know. So hoping to find another one. Uh oh, and my daughter's here. By the way, you want to come over? You guys wanted my daughter comes. No, go for it. She's here. Come on, you can see yourself sort of in the camera here. This is my daughter, Cirrus. Hello. She's into Hi. she's into the snake hobby too. Like, you're not afraid of holding any snake or no. We go road cruising and we go find snakes, and she's the first one to run out and go. That's a rosy boa. Yeah. And uh, so, speaking of which, you want to go get oh, a rosy yeah, boa? Oh, this is my friend. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, this I got. So I got <laughs> Nicolette, a friend of hers, neighbor. Um, she's like, like, are you the king of queen of? Like Instagram, she's got like a million followers. <laughs> Kids these days, you know, snake videos. I can't get the following, but these guys get it. But uh, go grab Rosie if you want. I'll, I'll bring a snake out just for fun. We yeah. keeping snakes. I, I generally leave all the snakes I find out in the wild. The exception is I found one Rosie boa once and saved it from getting hit by a car. We decided to bring it home, and I. It's a kind of a cool snake. You guys, you know, I know you guys deal with snakes, so you know the rosy boas. And it's been kind of like an educational snake over the years. Anybody that comes over that's afraid of snakes, I show them the rosy boa, then they hold the rosy boa, and then all of a sudden they're not afraid of snakes anymore. So it's been, it's been really cool. You know, I feel a little bit weird about taking it from the wild. I didn't have a permit, so I was legal to do so. So I didn't break any laws or anything like that. But uh, Oh, you can't get it open? Okay, I'll get it in a minute. Um, but uh, anyway, anybody that comes to the house, especially her friends, you know, we share the snake with them. And then I feel like I've educated, you know, the youth a little bit. And, uh, you know, so taking the one snake, I feel like it's served a purpose, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, and uh, Jason Rumfeld in the comments, he was asking, uh, what do you keep and what do you not have that you would like to keep? <laughs> besides the rosy boa yeah the rosy boa we have i've got one mountain king snake that was given to me it's a uh from the santa cruz mountains so it's a red white and black a, a mountain king snake zanata um i have a couple king snakes when i first got in this hobby i found a couple king snakes and I'm, i brought them home i didn't even know the difference at the time and i was like hey look what i found and i posted it on some facebook group and guys are like your snakes are grabbing and i'm like yeah, what does that mean, you know? And they're like, yeah, you know, they're, they're going to lay eggs. And I'm like, oh, so then I had everybody talk me through how to do it. And so I ended up with a bunch of baby king snakes. I think we had like 13 king snakes. And I thought I could just release them back into the wild. Technically, you're not supposed to do that. So then I just started gifting them away. So, you know, anybody who wanted a snake that I thought was a good home for a snake, I gave to them. Um, I think I still have two of those king snakes left um that i just never gave away so i've got a couple california kings the one mountain king and the rosy boa i think that's it so um you know, is there anything that you haven't kept that you'd like to keep any like uh... oh yeah that list is long um non-venomous wise there is a snake that i see quite regularly in hong kong called a greater green snake you'd have to look it up but greater green snake of all the green snakes out there, I know we have green snakes in the U.S. and stuff, but these, these are a different species. 
they are they glow like they're a glowing green and they have this bluish eye and they're just i don't know they're just like a little you know work of art they're just they're they're just unit color it's just one color of green but they are spectacular looking i love those um oh oh you got <laughs> uh oh all right we got him open all right um yeah i mentioned king snakes before let's see so here we go this is, i'm gonna smell real good after this but <laughs> so we mentioned king snakes and how they look very different in southern california um oh, don't musk on me this is one of the king snakes i've kept i don't know if you can see them here so like i said most king snakes are banded and this one doesn't really have well, it doesn't have any banding at all. It's 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 kind of a unique to itself snake. It's all white on the bottom. It's not brown and yellow. So maybe you guys do the whole reptile thing. You know, if it's inner, I don't know what you call it, but it's it's missing some pigment of some sort. It's not yellow. It's whitish, but it's not like the desert white ones. It's very unique until it's uh, unto itself. So um, yeah, it's a real bizarre king snake. So that's one of the snakes we have. <laughs> Yeah, it's like very solid coloration right. on top and very little, uh, very little pattern on the sides in comparison to yeah. what like a normal apparent would look like. Sorry, I don't mean to talk on top of you. There's a bit of a delay, but yeah, yeah most people wouldn't even really ID it as a king snake at first. It doesn't really look like a king snake, so it's yeah, it's 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 unique. So it's kind of cool. Um, you know, if I can find a good home, I'll probably give it to somebody. But uh, that's okay. Oh, maybe, 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 maybe I won't. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that's, that's, and you can see it's all white underneath. I don't know if you can see the belly, but, um, yeah, he's a very unusual looking king snake. So, yeah, so much lack of pattern. Yeah. So, like I said, in this area, we have some real bizarre ones. So, um, that's one of them. So, you can just leave Rosie. There's a couple things on the top you got to lift up before you slide it. Okay. You know, but that's it. Should I put him back? Yeah. Oh, there's also like, snakeskin. Oh, yeah, they, that's okay. <laughs> See, and that's just a first generation, you know, baby hatched out of an egg from the wild? Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's weird because this snake, hold on a second. Hey, Sirius, do you have a lid? <laughs> I don't want him to take it off. <laughs> yeah, and he's, uh, it's interesting. I feed him a lot, but he never really, like, I don't know if there's such a thing as, like, a, is there such a thing as like a dwarf morph or anything like this thing has never grown more than a couple of feet long and you know in the wild you know the mother was probably three or four feet long and this thing's foot and a half how old feet. is he so i don't know it's never gotten any bigger so it's kind of bizarre i don't know like i said it eats regularly and it, it everything seems normal and looks normal behaves normal but it it's like a miniature <laughs> i mean dwarfism can happen right i mean it's never happened to me but how old you did you imagine. say he was here take a look he's a couple oh he's a i don't know five years old or something oh damn yeah wow. never... <laughs> yeah now he, it is winter so i usually don't feed him in the winter for kind of like the the winter time rumation so he looks a little thin maybe right now but um but no That's he's a small five-year-old yeah he's tiny i mean like he's he eats but he doesn't grow <laughs> Yeah, I would say that snake's like a year and a half old. Right. Most people My would size. say. Yeah. So, but again, he's a little, a little thinner than normal now, just because it is winter. And well, usually I kind of, I don't know what you guys do, but the few snakes I have, that's king snakes and stuff, I usually don't feed them through the winter and just kind of put them out where it's cold and kind of simulate, you know, their conditions in the wild. Ish. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, other than it seems like you have you have all California. All California natives, yeah. don't you? As far as like other snakes, if I could keep a venomous snake, 
and I could keep it well, I'd have a blue coral snake at the house. That, that you'd have to see one. It's just, it's spectacular. It's the red head and the red tail and the blue on the side, and then it's all red underneath. They're, and then it's a coral snake, but it gets like a meter and a half long. I mean, they're, they're big snakes. And uh, that was cool. I saw a gold king cobra in Hong Kong that, I, I, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever see anything quite like it. I've seen all of Chris's king cobras and he has something that looks sort of like it, but nothing matches the one I saw. And it was, you know, would I keep a king cobra? No, I, I, that's not me. I, 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 don't, I don't have the time and whatever to really dedicate to that, but you know, if I could, maybe I would, but, uh, um, that greater green snake though, as simple as it is, I, I, I don't know why they're not in the pet trade. Maybe they don't do so well. Uh, maybe after this podcast, they'll be in the pet trade. Who knows? But, uh, um, they are cool. They are cool snakes. And, um, I, I don't know. That's, that's one of my favorites as simple as it is, as common as it, common as it is in the areas you find it, it's just pretty cool looking to me. Yeah, I mean, you can't really go wrong with any green snake. And I mean, that goes even for our natives. And those aren't even, you know, kept very well, uh, multi-generational in the... In oh, captivity. yeah. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I mean, something about a green snake, I don't know what it is, but like, especially seeing a green snake up in a tree, it's just like, oh, wow, you know, like, it's just so perfect. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I'd keep one of those if I could. I, I, I've come close to like, oh, you know... Uh, for one, I can't just put it in my suitcase and, you know, take it home. There's, <laughs> there are laws against that. And, you know, as a pilot, I don't, I'm not exempt to any of those laws. So. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to go through security or? Yeah. You probably go through more security. We go through security too. So the, the reality is if I was, if I was ever to do that, I'd have to just let it go free in my bag. And if they opened it and saw it, I'd have to look just as shocked as they were when they saw it. I go, oh, <laughs> a snake, get it away from me, you know, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I you know, I, I, I value my job. I'm not going to take a snake on the plane. You know, they, they've done that movie before, I think. So you know, we don't need snakes on the plane, too. <laughs> yeah, it's a little too cliche, and it's too... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want to bring him in? Oh, they got the rosy boa out here. You guys want to, you guys can step in here. Yeah. Come over here, Nicole, if you I want to. Oh, you're scared of it? No, yeah. you're not scared of it, really? You got it. All right, so here's the reason we got this snake. Watch this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rosy boa can't bite you. Well, it can't bite you, but it won't bite you, right? <laughs> Look, see? Not going to do anything. Just touch the back of it. It's not slimy. It's not. <laughs> see? Uh, don't put it on me. Well, we won't put it on you, but see what I'm saying? It doesn't, it's not going to bother you. Bite you. No, it won't bite you. Here's that's that's sort of why we that's sort of why we kept it, you know, just just for reasons like this, you know. We enjoy getting it out and stuff, but it's awesome when you show it to somebody who hasn't, you know, seen the snake really and has all these misconceptions about snakes and you know, and you can prove them wrong, I guess, and you know, show them that they're actually pretty cool. And Is there any particular locality to that animal? Uh, yeah, this was from the Palm Springs area in California. So Whitewater is the the road everybody cruises out there. I, you know, I wouldn't normally say that, but everybody knows that road. So, so yeah, Whitewater is the place. And uh, people that are in the Rosy Boas would look at it probably and know that. I, I'm not. I'm not that good at it as far as the boas go. But uh, you know, it's kind of light speckling, I guess. So maybe that gives it away a little bit. And I know the colors change depending on where. Um, where they're found, but uh, I think this one's pretty typical of the the locale, aren't you? It's a beautiful animal and calm. <laughs> See, I'll bite you. 
Yeah. You want to hold it? No. Yeah. No, that's okay. Try. All right, cool. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you touched it. That's cool. All right, cool. <laughs> All right. So anyway, that's sort of the reason, you know, I held that snake and, you know, I don't know. It's, it's cool to share it. I think, you know, that's, you know, I, it's funny. I just went to a reptile show. Uh, was it maybe January? It was here in uh, Orange County, uh, Anaheim. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people there and it was cool. I usually don't go to reptile shows so much. Um, for one, <laughs> I, I'd buy everything in there if I could, cause there's a lot of cool stuff, but, um, I, I don't know. I just, it's, I don't know. I usually don't go to reptile shows, but seeing people that like see snakes for the first time and the people holding them and stuff, it's really cool. You know, I, I, I forgot, you know, what it was like for someone, I, you know, if you're into the hobby, you see them all the time, you don't think much of it. But when you see someone's reaction who hasn't seen maybe a particular snake before and just to see them light up like, Hey, this is, this is awesome. I don't know. It's cool. I like it. It's, it, it's a strange hobby like, to most people. Like the other pilots think I'm absolutely out of my mind. When we get on overnights, I go look for snakes, but uh, I don't know, you know, <laughs> people chase all kinds of stuff. So why not chase snakes? And it's it's much cooler, honestly, to see an animal in its natural habitat than in a deli cup. But if you're the uninitiated, you know, that first experience with an animal is just. Yeah. At this reptile show in Anaheim, I saw a little girl holding up. It was a, well, it was a ball python. Apparently at these. <laughs> Apparently at these reptile shows, it's like, seems to be like 90%. All Python shows. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what it is? Cause I was, I mean, they had some cool morphs and stuff and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. And I've never seen one like that before. But like, so this little girl is holding a ball Python that, you know, she never held a snake before. And you could just see it kind of light up in her eyes that oh, really, you're going to get the other one out there. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. It was just awesome to see the excitement in, in, in her face, you know, and it, I guess maybe it was like, I think people still think it's, oh, it's going to be slimy and cold. And I think they're pleasantly surprised when they pick one up. And this, this girl, I think the dad was like, oh, great. Now I got to buy one, you know, but, uh, um, you know, it, it was cool. So, but yeah, the, the, the ball pythons, I think have taken over those shows from the looks of it. Uh, they were they everywhere. Were, my, my, oh, she had to go. Oh yeah. You want to go? I'll grab it real quick. My daughter's got one. I was mentioning the Zonata, the, uh, the Mountain King, so that's the one. Nice. And they're real pretty. A friend gave me that. So beautiful. Yeah, they are really cool snakes. It's one of my favorite snakes. So if I could keep a snake, this would be one of them. And, and yet, you know, there we go. I have one. But and this one's a little bit orange for the species. They're usually a little bit redder. But uh, um, it's funny. I did a comparison video recently. I don't know where my wallet is, but Gucci makes Gucci makes a line of stuff with snakes on them. <laughs> But they're actually coral snakes because they get the banding all wrong. So we went into Gucci's store with this snake. Remember that? So we go to the mall with the snake. You know, I'm like, you know, you're not supposed to have, you know, you're not even supposed to have dogs in the mall. So I'm, I'm like, my daughter's like, let's bring the snake. And I'm like, oh, God. That's not a bad idea. So we walk into Gucci and I start the video, you know, and then someone comes with me like, oh, you can't video the store. And so then I'm like, well, can I get a snake out to show you the difference between what you guys are selling? He's like, of course not. Like a real snake, and I'm like, yeah, no, no, you can't do that. So, but you got a picture, yeah, you got a picture with him outside the store or something. So, so he's very yeah. Cool. If you're gonna pay like two hundred dollars for a wallet, it better look right. Yeah, you know it's funny, and I have that wallet around here somewhere. I don't know where I put it, but uh, yeah, and it looks they they marketed in their marketing. Didn't you? You're the one that told me it says king snake on it. Yeah. You know, but it's you know the the banding is the opposite, so it's a coral snake and. 
you know, I just made a, a funny spoof video basically, but the reality is, you know, like, what if I had that wallet in my pocket and I got bit by a coral snake and I'm like, Hey, I'm okay. It's the king snake. Gucci said, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing you, Gucci. I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for sharing it. Yep. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for coming on. She's, she's got the passion for snakes too. So it's, it's really cool that, you know, as a father that my son likes to go out and look for snakes and, you know, I don't know, it's fun to share what you love. So, you know, I don't push, I don't try and push anything that I like to do on my kids, but I try and introduce them to as much stuff as I can. If they think it's cool, then yeah, it makes me feel good. Yeah. Is that something to where, like, have you traveled uh, elsewhere, you know, not for work and whether it's vacations and stuff and herping? And Yeah. We went to Costa Rica as a family trip. Now, make sure they're, they're going to listen to this sooner or later, but like they were thinking, you know, like zip lines and beaches and stuff. I was thinking like, you know, for the land, you know, eyelash vipers and all that, whatever I could find. But uh, but didn't see many snakes, to be honest. And we didn't, it wasn't a snake trip. I wasn't out there looking for snakes. I was looking wherever we were. But I mean, I, everything's I, a snake trip. In, y- in y'all's world, everything is a snake trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything is a snake trip, right? <laughs> Just got to try hard enough. <laughs> Yeah, but we, we, we enjoyed the beaches and did the zip lines and did all the touristy things. But, you know, I think I found one snake out there or something. But, uh, you know, you, you got to look. And being somewhere like Costa Rica, it's uh, you're like, oh, I got to look. But it, what's interesting is most people don't understand, like, a lot of these places, you know, you think, oh, Costa Rica, I can go, let's go find snakes. And you think, like, there's going to be snakes everywhere. Like, oh, it's going to be easy. There's an eyelash pit viper here. There's another one there. There's a boa constrictor over there it's just it's just not like that it's it's just not like that you can't find snakes as easily as you sort of wish you could at times but uh maybe that's what makes it more fun the fact that it's a little bit harder than people think it's going to be and is it i mean how much different is it being in say the jungles of costa rica to thailand and all these different you know places in the world yeah it's Every place is sort of unique unto itself. Like Costa Rica, you can't go in the jungle at night. You're not supposed to go in the jungle at night without a hired guide. And for me, that sort of takes a bit of the experience away. I I, I don't want someone going, hey, look, there's a sloth there because it was there three days ago and he already walked this path yesterday. So I, I want to go find stuff that I, I find, you know, and uh, I don't know if it's a competitive thing or what it is. It's almost like when you go road cruising, like when, when, you know, I don't know if you guys road cruise at all back on the East Coast at all. Have you guys been road cruising at all? No. Okay. Well, road cruising is a lazy, it's a fun but lazy way to find snakes. You basically go out on the desert roads at night and certain months of the year the snakes come out and you find them crossing or sitting on the road. And it's, it, it's really cool, actually. But like, I want to be in the front seat. I, I don't want to be in the back seat and someone say, oh, there's a, there's a glossy snake up there. Because sure, I want to go see it, but like, I want the thrill of finding it. Yeah, finding it. There's something about finding it. So to go on a guided thing in Costa Rica where they're like, oh, here's a red-eyed tree frog, you know, I'm like, yeah, if I would have found it, it would have been a little bit more special maybe. So, so yeah, Costa Rica, we went on one guided night hike that was not so great. Um, Jungle-wise and stuff, a lot of the tropical places on the equator, you know, Singapore, uh, Costa Rica, very similar, hot and humid that's one thing you can't capture, you know, on the East coast, you got hot and humid summers, right? So you guys, know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So you can't capture what it's like to be walking out there with a backpack full of lights and 
batteries and you know it'd be easy just to go out and look for snakes with just a bottle of water you know but when you want to capture the experience you end up carrying you know 20 or 25 pounds worth of stuff and after a while you know i'm from southern california where we don't have a lot of humidity so after a while it's kind of like you know let me find something i've been walking for an hour and a half give me something anything <laughs> you know so um you know it's different everywhere you go but uh, weather-wise it can be the same depending on where you sit as far as latitude goes i mean are there times where you've gotten lost in any in any way or uh any close calls of any kind i've never been lost um well, I guess it de depends on how you look at lost. Um, <laughs> Singapore's an island, so if you keep walking in one direction long enough, you're going to hit the coast, right? So <laughs> you can't truly be lost, but I was in the middle of the jungle one time. And, you know, all these trips, when I say middle of the jungle, like I don't go out like on without a path or a trail somewhere. I don't just like, you know, get my machete out and start cutting down things. And, all right, let's go, you know, it's. I'm on bike trails or hiking paths or, or paths that just nobody's on at night because nobody really goes out there at night. So, you know, it's not like I'm in the middle of nowhere, but sometimes you'll get to an intersection and then do I go left or right? And, you know, on the next one, do I go left or right? And then when you turn around to go back, it's like, you know, did I go right or left? You know, and so I, I've been in that situation before and I'm like, all right, just pick a direction and go. And nowadays you can pick up your phone usually and, if you were smart and you were able to, to cache some of the maps, because a lot of those places have no cell service. So, you know, if you don't have a map to work with, you don't know where you are. But, you know, experience has told me, you know, zoom in on the area you're going to go to a few times so that even if you lose cell service, you know where you are and you know where you need to go. But once in Singapore, I had to walk out of a place where when I finally came out, I'm like, wow, this is this is sort of opposite, <laughs> sort of opposite where I thought I was going to be. And uh, then it's getting a taxi back to the hotel or something can be the hard part because sure you made yourself out of the jungle, but you're in some remote little neighborhood where there aren't any taxis. And now most places have like Uber or Lyft or Grab. There's a bunch of those services. So it's a little bit easier. But that said, I've still been places where I've sat for two hours, excuse me, uh, waiting for a ride to get back to the hotel. Oh, I guess that's kind of an advantage if you don't if you don't have a vehicle, then wherever the hell you get out, you can get picked up from. Yeah, so long as like I've been on plenty of trips and you've probably seen them in my videos where the driver's like, I'm like, OK, I want to get out here. And he's like, you want to get out here? Like, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, like no one would get out there. It's in the middle of nowhere. Like, <laughs> like, no, no, you, you want to keep going. I'm like, no, 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 this, this is where I want to get out. So if you work your way back out to that spot, there's. Like there'll be nobody there so you got to have a plan so if you go someplace you've never been my i guess if if i were to recommend going someplace try and get a hold of somebody on facebook try and get a hold of somebody that lives there that can give you some intel as to where to go and and what to expect and i get i apologize if i don't answer all you guys messages and stuff i get a lot of requests for like hey i'm gonna be in singapore next week can you tell me where can i find a blue coral snake or where can i find this or and yeah, I like to help everybody. I, you know, without giving away people's secret spots, I won't do that if people have spots they don't want to reveal. But if it's just general spots and general parks, I tell them where to go and when to go and how to get to and from there. But sometimes you actually, I'll get five or six messages and you know, I got two kids and everything else and I just forget about them. So if I, if anybody's watching this and I forgot to message you back, it, it wasn't by design. I apologize. It's just, you know, 
I try and answer if I can, and if I forget, I forget. So, you know, I try and help whoever I can, but sometimes I know I've guys send me pictures like, look what I found, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I was supposed to tell that guy where to go, and I didn't, so. Anyway. <laughs> well, they figured it out, and I think it's yeah. nice to... It's nice sometimes to put in the extra effort and find what you're looking for without any help. Yeah, and, and that is true. So, you know, Google Earth nowadays has changed everything. I mean, you can literally just go anywhere in the world and go, well, let me see. That looks like a you know, piece of land that might have something around it that I can walk on. And you can pretty much go anywhere with just a phone and Google Maps. And, you know, I wouldn't I would spend a day at least kind of recon in the area on your phone to figure out what you're going to do. But you can pretty much go anywhere now and, and find stuff without help if you really put in the time and, you know, that's what you're into. Um, earlier we talked about like essential things that you bring and Scott parent just asked a great question in the chat kind of related to that. Oh, of course it's not loading. Um, he asked like, when you're in those locations, are you uh, using specific things to keep bugs off or do you have like clothes specific for where you're herping like you have your thailand outfit your singapore outfit no, I'm, I'm i am an example of what not to do when you go out looking for snakes i i go out in shorts and sandals oh I, gosh no no <laughs> how oh, everywhere like my wife she's probably i don't know where she is but like yeah i wear shorts and sandals just about everywhere and i grew up by the beach and that's just sort of what i do um for bugs, mosquitoes love me, and bug spray is a must. I'm like, they eat me alive. And um, so I try to bring bug spray. A lot of times I land somewhere in the middle of the night, I don't have any bug spray, and nothing's open, so I can't get any bug spray, so I just go anyhow. And I can't tell you how many flights I've had from, like, Singapore and stuff where I'm flying back to Tokyo the next day, and I... I've got my shoes, you know, my work shoes and my uniform on and my socks. And I'm literally like scratching down at my socks because I've got like 50 mosquito bites on each foot. And While flying a plane. Yeah. Oh, it sucks. It, <laughs> I, 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 hate I hate mosquitoes and they love me. So um, I do my best to spray. The last video when I was in, I uh, was at Thailand, guys told me like there's these little large eyed pit, large eyed pit vipers. And they hang real low to the ground and they're hard to see. So I actually went out of my way to put shoes and pants on. And did it hurt? I'm glad I did. You know, I didn't step on any or I didn't step I didn't step really near one, but uh eh, I, I stepped close enough to one. So um yeah, and then there's one video I have on my channel where I, I think it's called In Search of the Blue Coral Snake or something, where I was in sandals and shorts, like I always am. I found a blue coral snake. I was all excited. I had a hook. I just wanted to move him to get better video, and he didn't want to be moved. So as soon as I lifted him to move him, he they, they call these things blue lightning. It's kind of the nickname. They go they go crazy. They just they become a blue blur on the ground, and it kept coming right towards me. So I had to kind of hook it and kind of not fling it, but move it away. I mean, it got to the point where I wasn't worried about the snake. It went from where I wanted to get good video of the snake to where I wanted to like survive to like see the next day, sort of. Somewhere in my brain, it switched to like, oh shit, this could really end bad. And I just didn't want that to happen. So I was almost, you know, like flinging the snake like four or five feet over, like, you know, like 
go that way. I don't care about the video anymore. And every time it landed, it immediately came straight back at me. Now, looking back, it wasn't coming at me like, oh, I'm going to get you. They, they typically tend to go up towards the roots of trees because that's where they find holes to go underground. And I was the tallest thing near it. So my guess is it just, as soon as it landed, it, it saw what it thought was the best thing as, as an escape path, which was me. So it was coming back at me each time, but it was moving and it was, <laughs> it was only probably 15 seconds, but it was a very, uh, racing. yeah, it was afterward. I had to sit there for a while and go, wow, like, like, wow. You know? And then, then I was all bummed out because it was gone. I didn't get any good video. And then I thought I saw it over there. So then I start walking out in my sandals again. And I'm like, I, I don't know. You know, I've, I've I wear shorts and sandals and I shouldn't. Uh, I don't have any specific gear. I, I usually flip boards with my hands and not a hook, which is not recommended. But uh, I, I don't know. That's just who I am, I guess. And, you know, I guess at 53, it's kind of hard to change and, you know, be something you're not. And I'm not trying to be like, look at me. I can flip this board with my hands and I don't care if I get bit because I do care if I get bit in the U.S. A rattlesnake bite is very expensive you know forget the pain and everything else that goes with it you know if you don't have good insurance you're, you're, you're gonna be you know really sorry you got bit by that snake and uh um I, I try and be safe i try and do everything safely but i do use my hand to flip boards but i usually flip away from myself and the guys are like oh you put you put your fingers under the board but literally put my fingers under there for a split second so could it bite you i i guess maybe but from what I've seen from rattlesnake behavior, they just don't attack, you know, something that fast. So uh, anyway, maybe do as I say and not as I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think there's, there's all these weird, not exactly arbitrary because they do matter rules as far as, uh, you know, like before we were talking about like these guys free handle, that's, kind of against against the rules uh you lifting a board with your hand that's against somebody's rules and like there's always someone who's trying to tell you what to do yeah so it you know yeah i, I try not to like like it's weird i started this channel just to share what i was doing on my overnights with my my kids mostly i'm like so when i look back at my videos from like five or six years ago literally it was like oh who cool a snake you know and it was like I'd watch it and I'd go, God, I would never watch that. Who would ever watch that? You know, <laughs> like 15 seconds of nothing. And I'm like, so then I just started to evolve into making something that would be more fun for them to watch. And then so more people started watching. And then I get, it's really nice. I get comments from people saying, man, I really love your videos. I wish you put out more, you know? And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's not my full-time job. As much as I'd like to put out more, I can't, you know, I can only do what I can, but but the more people watch, the more I feel a responsibility almost to try and show things like, you know, like responsibly, like, you know, so wearing sandals and shorts isn't responsible, I guess. But again, it's who I am. And, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I drink Red Bull all the time. In my <laughs> and guys are like, you know, that's terrible for you. That stuff will kill you. You know, and I'm like, I, I guess. The little playing with this blue coral snake in King Cobra, so. See, as soon as I get the, 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 you know, the Red Bull can with the king or with the king cobra around it or the blue coral snake around it, then I've got my shot and I can retire maybe or something. <laughs> but, you know, like, I, you know, maybe Red Bull isn't great for you, but that's what I like to drink. You know, I drink it here and there. So, you know, people, people give everybody in, in the world a hard time about something. I mean, everybody lives by different rules than everybody else. And I try and be responsible now that more people are watching my videos. The last video with the free handling, 
I didn't think anything of it until I started getting comments like, oh, you shouldn't show that. And so, again, you know, I, I show what I think is tasteful to the best of my abilities. And, you know, I think most people are adult enough to watch it. You know, my, my I've looked at YouTube for my like my target audience and it's not the 13 year old or the 15 year old like most YouTubers. I think my most people watching my videos are, you know, 40 years old, 30 to 40 years old. So, you know. I, I, I'm not like, what is it? What is it serious? My daughter's behind me. Is it, is it the brave wilderness guy that's like, you know, like, I'm going to get bit by the, you know, who knows what, you know, and he's like, oh, you know, and like, I, I, like. That's great to watch. That, yeah, she, she says that's great to watch. <laughs> you know, if I want to get a million views or something, yeah, maybe that's great to watch. But, like, I try not to over-dramatize what yeah, I'm it's seeing. Kind of, like, it's, I know it's not fake, but sometimes I feel like it could be, like, a little bit overdramatic. Yeah, so, anyway, she's in the background here. But, um, yeah, so I try and, like, show things the way they really are. I saw one video as a, uh, a long time ago of a guy, I think it was Austin Stevens or something. He was, he, he, and I thought this was real. He was chasing around on Discovery Channel or something. This flying snake that was going from tree to tree, and he, he's running, trying to get underneath so he can get the video of this cool flying snake, you know, and I'm like, wow you know how awesome is that and then when i went out and found one i'm like well like they don't fly for one they glide occasionally but for the most part they just tree snakes just like any other tree snake and like i wasn't going to make it overly dramatic to try and like look at this snake you know i show it like look at this cool snake it's cool because it looks cool and it, it is what it is it's not it doesn't have to be what it is you don't have to you know, take bites from things or, or, yeah, because you don't want to make that. Here, you also come over here. <laughs> All right. She's, she's, she's my partner in crime out there in the field. So, um, yeah. there's a delay between the videos. So you may not see yourself, but you're in it. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't want to make the animal mad. You might as well just, like, because if you make it mad, then it'll act different than the animal would usually act. So when you just video it, how, like, and stay at like, a good distance if it's, like, venomous or, um, I mean, like, if you don't do anything harmful to it, you can see how it's even better because you can see how this snake or the animal really would act when you're just looking at it. Well, now why couldn't I say that? <laughs> yeah, and that's it. I try and capture the animals like they are. You know, I, I like I like to share what you would experience if you saw one, probably. So, you know, all the dr drama from those shows. I mean, it's cool to watch the show and all the added sounds and the. Yeah. You know, I've sold footage to to, to Deadly Sixty. I've sold footage to Naked Afraid. Naked and Afraid and Discovery Channel. I, I've sold stuff to people and. It's a it's a mixed thing for me. Like, yeah, you know, you can make a few hundred dollars, and that that's cool, you know, and, and that's nice. For me, it was like, oh, it'd be cool to see my footage on TV. But when they speed up the blue coral going really fast, and they add the hissing sounds, and the, you know, I'm like, oh, well, you know, that's not the way it is, you know. So, yeah. A anyway, you know, I know it's TV, and TV is driven by the audience, and they do what they they do what they do. But I I do what I do because I can do it my way, and if no one watches, that's fine. But if one person watches and enjoys it, then yeah, like awesome. it's cool in both ways because like, like it's cool to see like, oh, that's like really interesting because it's like it might get upset like in like TV shows like because that's interesting. But then it's also cool to see it where it's like how it would actually act in the wild. Yeah. So all, all the pilots I'm with, they're like, oh, the snakes, man, they're gonna. You better be careful. They're gonna come get you. You know, they're gonna attack you. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, like the rattlesnakes, we find like. 
you flip a board and there's a rattlesnake under it. Usually, and it's usually in a coil. Yes, yeah, usually coiled. It, it wants to do one of two things. It usually will sit there motionless and hope that, like, hope you don't see it. Like, oh, hopefully my camouflage works and I don't have to do anything. I can just sit here. Or it, it, it tries to leave if it can, you know, and it's like, and then it yeah. goes away. And, it, you know, the shots of them rattling and all this, it's like, sure, they will, but you, you've got to. They gotta, probably took their stick and, like, poke them. Yeah, you've got to kind of provoke most rattlesnakes to get them to get that pose. And, you know, all the, you know, the shots of the rattlesnakes rattling and, like, you know, all heads up and stuff. It can happen, but for the most part, they just want to leave. Yeah, well, like, if you're messing with it. If you're messing with it. So I, I try not to. I try not to do that, but you know, I know that's what the YouTube's all about. It seems like nowadays, you know, you got to be more extreme than the other person. Well, I watched one video and they were literally putting Coca-Cola in a snake hole and they put Mentos in it. Have you, what? Have you, have you guys seen that? I actually saw that the other day. No. Oh, yeah. It's got like three or four million they or took, 20 million views. They took a snake hole and they took a, like a bunch of Coca-Cola bottles and they were like dumping them into the hole and putting Mentos in it. Yeah, they took the, they found a, a, a hole where a snake resided somewhere, I think it was in South America. They it's, Like my daughter said, they poured Coke into it and put Mentos into it. It was hard it. to watch. Yeah, until know. eventually uh, Anaconda or something came out and they grabbed it, you know. And, you know, and, and I mean. It like, was sad. It's, yeah. So then, you know. Like, you know, they'll get, you know, 5 million views, so then they'll make some money off it, and then, oh, well, I'll go make another one like that. So, uh, YouTube's a weird place, you know. You, you guys are on YouTube, you know, and it's, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, some people make a lot of money off YouTube. I'm not, I, I do it for fun. I, I put some flying videos out that actually make a few dollars here and there, but I try and share things the way they are, and yeah. and that's it, so. Anyway, I'm talking too much. <laughs> no, 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 it was great. Um, I think what you were saying was important is that you have to know your audience. So like Coyote Peterson is a very different audience than what you're going for. And he knows his audience and he's doing what he needs to do. And you're doing what you need to do for your audience. But I think that that's unfair in a way that um, maybe the more broader audience is going to see the less likely behavior from the animal. So if maybe in Lou's video, this animal's in its natural environment, you know, exhibiting natural behaviors from when most of the people are seeing them is when they're exhibiting, you know, defensive behaviors and, you know, things that aren't typical of the snake and may, you know, cause people to have a bad impression of them. That's hard. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, now I haven't, I haven't seen a black mamba in person, so I can't speak from experience, but, you know, guys, you know, like, oh, the black mamba, I mean, you see that snake, you better watch out because it's coming for you. And I'm like, I tell these guys, I'm like, look, no, I haven't seen one, but I can guarantee you if you give it a place to go, it's not going to come at you. It's going to go, but no one wants to see a video of like, oh, there goes a black mamba, he's gone. You know, they want to see it coming at you and like, oh, let's, you know, what's, what's going to happen, you know? And I, I get the excitement and especially for the younger audiences and stuff. And again, I just do it for fun. So like, I just try and share what, what it's really like. And if people watch that and like that, like I, I truly, when I, I sit and watch my statistics, maybe you guys do, like, I love my YouTube channel. Like it is almost in a weird way. Like I put out a video and I'm like, I'm watching like, well, how many views did it get in the first hour? How many views did it get in the second hour? And it's, it's, I don't know why, it's just, it's become like a hobby that's sort of, more of the hobby is, is just watching YouTube grow. It's a hobby of its own besides finding the snakes. So it's it's kind of bizarre, but uh, 
Um, geez, I'm not sure where I was going with that. But <laughs> about what you were saying about um, like the kids watching, like because like it's exciting, you know, watching kind of how the snakes are like kind of acting a certain way, or rather how they act in the wild, but like how when they're kind of like agitated. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that because the kids might be like scared of the snakes so they're like oh like you know like yeah. seeing them well because i was so i'm in girl scouts and we might get a little girl scout story here if you guys got time for that oh we got time <laughs> and um girl scouts so um i did this thing for it was like um an award that i had to get and um i wanted to do something that had to do with nature and originally i wanted to do like a camping trip but that's way too expensive, so we didn't do the camping trip. So um, me and my friend Nicolette, not the Nicolette that was here, different Nicolette, um, it did, um, it was like a thing at, um, where was it? There's, where we live is a conservancy where they have, it's a wildlife area, it's called Bolsa Chica Wetland Reserves. And yeah. Anyway, it's a small area they protected by the coast that they're going to leave. It's mostly birds and stuff, but they have a small little area there where they put on presentations and stuff. and. My yeah, daughter and they her, own snakes there. they have a few snakes there. And she went on and put a presentation on about the snakes that live in the wetlands. And so uh, we presented it to like a younger Girl Scout troop. And a, like a lot of the girls were actually willing to, so I presented about snakes and um, I held the snakes and I asked them if they wanted to hold the snakes. And the girls, um, to my surprise, like a lot of the girls actually like were willing to yeah, hold it. Not the parents Not the parents <laughs> Terrified, like, oh my gosh! But towards the end, after their da their daughters and sons held it, they're like, okay, I'll I'll try it. So uh, yeah, I tried to get like, I tried to get as many girls as I could or parents to uh, touch them or hold them, and there was only like two girls that really would not hold the snake. <laughs> There's always one, right? <laughs> yeah, and then the moms. I think I actually got every single mom to like touch the snake. Right. Yeah, right. so that was actually really cool. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so as a family, we as you can see here, we try and. Snakes have worked their way into our our lives, but uh, and you know, so then the YouTube is just an extension of that, I guess. And you guys have a successful YouTube channel. I see you guys got what is it, eleven thousand, twelve thousand? Successful is a uh, well, successful. Yeah. Getting a thousand subscribers was like you guys must know, unless you guys got yours real quick. Like people, I know oh, it's a struggle. It takes forever to get people to watch your videos. Like it's you know and. and I don't know. I, I make these videos basically just to share my experience. But you know, like for you guys, I'm sure you want if somebody watches it, you know, and, and they leave you a nice comment like that was awesome or thanks for sharing. Yeah, it makes you feel good. So, you know, the more people that watch, the, the better I feel, I guess. Yeah. So but getting, you know, starting with no subscribers, you know, your family and friends, you know, you put up a video and no one's going to find that video. It just disappears on YouTube somewhere. So. You know, once you start moving your way up and you actually like show up on a page somewhere, it's like, oh, wow. So, yeah, because um, it's really nice because sometimes I go through my dad's comments on videos that I'm in. Really? And yeah, and it's really nice seeing like the people who actually like because like I'm usually like not the like main purpose of the video because but like people notice me in the videos and I'm like, wow, that's so cool <laughs> that they actually me talk about my nails and snakes or something and, yeah. they, and they find that funny and I like being on the videos because if they see this little like 
little girl holding snakes, then maybe they won't be as afraid of snakes to hold them. Or just to not run them over when, like, to not purposely kill them when they see me holding them. Yeah, good. Yeah, I think that that's something that we, as far as uh, kids, I believe, get that point across a lot better. Uh, yeah. Young people. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, it's, I don't know, like, you know, it's funny because I put out some airplane videos that, you know, will do really well on YouTube and, and, they actually make some money and I'm like, wow, you know, you could actually make money on YouTube if you wanted to, but uh, I'm not sure if you could do it with, uh, you know, with snake videos. Uh, maybe you can. I don't know. There's you could if you kept on, uh, you just got to get your own King Cobra and start, you know, doing the whole <laughs> dance. And... Yeah, 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 maybe. It's funny. I met a guy, Brian Barcheck. You guys, I'm sure you've heard of him. He's, he's probably huge on YouTube now, but uh, um, we did a show together. Remember we did that TV show? Mm -hmm. It was a show. It my was, um... It was with Cam Newton. Yeah, football. I don't. I don't. I don't watch football much. So there's a guy, Cam Newton. I guess he's a famous quarterback or something. And he, <laughs> yeah, I love the I way, love the way you're talking. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, I have the video up here. I wasn't able to share it because who was it? Who was the network? And uh, uh, Nickelodeon. They wouldn't Nickelodeon. let me share it. There was a show for Nickelodeon called All In with Cam Newton, where yeah. like he goes and and meets kids and tries to help them with what their dream is and one of the neighbor kids here is in the snakes so somehow he got... well, he's actually nicolette's brother, yeah, Nicolette's brother. <laughs> small story you know long story short story long i'm not sure how this is going to work but um he got on the show with cam newton and and they were going to go find snakes because that's what my neighbor likes to do too he's you know 15 years old at the time and so then they came to me somehow it came to me like well we need snakes we got to you know they can't go find snakes and not have any snakes. So I had to go out and find some snakes so they could yeah, have snakes for the show. If they don't actually like find snakes or if they found a rattlesnake, they can't hold it. So we would need to bring some snakes just in case that they couldn't find any snakes or if yeah. they found something that you can't hold. So anyway, I was the guy to go find snakes. But anyway, I met Brian Barcheck during that because he was sort of on the show as well. And, and uh, you know, I, I really didn't watch much YouTube then. I didn't even know really much about him. He's a nice guy and everything. But apparently... I think he does all right on YouTube. I think he's got <laughs> subscribers, and I, I don't know what his story is, you know, other than, you know, he's always messaging me. and say, hey, if you're ever in you know, Minnesota or wherever he lives, he's like, come on up, we'll do a video. And I'm like, okay, but I think he's one of the guys that's actually making a living off of YouTube with snakes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's possible, but it's something where it's like you you have to keep finding, like, the next thing to, like, level up so to speak you know and you have to do it every day you have to be consistent and you have to like keep finding new things i don't think to be successful on youtube you can just like have your collection of 20 or so snakes and keep it that way you know if you look yeah. at brian now he has a reptarium and he just doubled the size of it like you have to keep growing and expanding to be able to do things on youtube and make money yeah. on it oh definitely and i know like you know, one of her friends is a you know, very popular YouTuber and, you know, he's like, oh, you got to, you got to do weekly. You got to, you got to have a schedule when your videos yeah. are coming out. I don't like, like Nicolette, um, she has like a specific, she posts like three times a week or something yeah, like that. Okay. Well, anyway, um, getting back, like everybody's like, you got to post weekly videos. And I'm like, well, my videos are about going out and finding snakes. It's not very real if you have it weekly, you know, because, like, <laughs> you have to post, like, whenever, like, you know, you, it feels right. Yeah. So, for me, it's like, 
I, I would love to post weekly videos. I, I work, I do, I do fly. Like I, I don't just go to these places and, you know, I go to other places where there are no snakes and, and I also, I'm at home and I've got, you know, a regular family life. So as much as I'd like to put out a video every week, you know, I, you know, that was my goal for this year in 2020 was like every Friday I'm putting out a video. And the only way I was going to make that even possible was like in November and December of last year to know that I had eight or 10 shows that I had ready to go so that I could get through the periods where I wouldn't find anything. Cause I know there's plenty of those periods throughout the year. And I just, at some point I'm like, I don't have enough shows to, you know, there's going to be a point where I'm going to come to a Friday and go, all right guys. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah I got nothing for you, you know? So, you know, I, I wish I could put out more videos. I know guys ask for more videos, which makes me feel really good. I, I, I appreciate the support, you know, and, and the love in the community, but, you know, I would put out more if I could, and I'm, I'm doing everything I can to find new stuff and not just put out the same things over and over. So, you know, I'm trying. Speaking of new stuff, because well, I remember on one video when we went to Disneyland for my birthday, oh. you were like, like, you wanted to make a video, but you didn't really know, like, you wanted to put out the video because you were uncertain if, like, your followers were going to like it, but I was like, you should just put it out anyway because if you like it and you like what you're doing with the video and you have a good idea and you think it's cool and you like it, that's all that matters. Yeah, so there you go. So ultimately, you know, like for you guys and for me, it's like, you know, you don't, you're not trying to please everybody else. You're just trying to do what you think is right. And it like, was a really cool video. <laughs> yeah, we went to Disneyland, you know, we live here in Southern California. So we went to Disneyland. So my, I think my video is called Snakes in Disneyland or something, but we went there and I'm like, well, let's go see if we can find snakes in Disneyland. Now, the odds of finding a live snake would have been very, very remote, but I knew they had a few rattlesnakes on rides that were hidden, you know, little yeah. mechanical snakes like and stuff. Thunder Mountain, Indiana Jones. Yeah, so I found those and then I transitioned to like, all right, well, enough with those. Let's go out in the hills nearby and I'll go find some real snakes. And yeah. so I did. So I, I sort of, the video kind of led you to like, oh, what's he doing? And then it went into actually finding some real snakes. So. You know, I don't know if it got mixed reviews or whatever. I try not to. I know a lot of guys now on YouTube. It's all about the thumbnail. Like you got to put something really over dramatic, and you know, and like, you know, well, someone's going to click on that. But you know, I don't want to be fake either and show something that's not like in the video. So um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I know a lot of guys like the thumbnail. You got to have, you got to have the thumbnail. It's got to be a good thumbnail. Yeah, you need a good face. I, I forgot to, and I need to backtrack because I'm just curious. Did like Cam Newton flip boards, or did you like? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was a friend. Yeah, I'll, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can find it here in the background, but uh, somewhere I have the footage. I'll, I'll I'll message it to you guys or something. Now. What ended up happening with the show? Um. Yeah, it it aired, and and the idea was. <laughs> The neighbor kid wanted to start a YouTube channel. So then the idea with Cam was going to come out. They're going to go find snakes together. And they were going to, this was going to be his first YouTube video for his channel was him and Cam looking for, for snakes. And then Nickelodeon told him a week later that, oh, by the way, you don't have any rights to any of the footage and you can't use it. You can't use it. What? The idea of Cam going out to help him start his YouTube channel was a total joke because they wouldn't let him use anything that was shot for his first video. So it was like, here, I'm going to help you, but no, not really. You know, so it was goofy, but I have the footage and it's, uh, I'll find it. I'll, 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 I might post it 
I'll post, I'll Instagram it or something. My, my Instagram is mostly flying stuff, but I'll put it on there. And it's, uh, we went out, he went out wearing like a full opposite of me. He had on like gloves and, <laughs> and we found a ring next to it. Well, they found a ring next to it, you know, that I conveniently placed there. And, uh, you know, it, and he's like this, and there's no way Cam is going to hold this thing. Like, no way he's going to hold it. Finally, I think, did he end up putting it in his hand at some stage? Yeah. Well, he took it and he put it in his hand, and then he was like, ah, and then he like, gave it to Greg and he ran off. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, of course, over the top because, you know, it was, it was a lot larger. But, uh, um, Anyway, um, my wife's here. So, well, you want to come over here, sorry, sorry. Yes, 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 My wife. Now we're getting the whole family. That's all right. Oh, that's all right. It's it's everything's gonna fall over. I've got a, kind of a weird setup here right now. I don't know that. I don't know if that made it better or worse, but yeah, it yeah I can't imagine like a six-seven <laughs> Cam Newton with gloves on trying well, to hold ring neck snakes. It was it was pretty entertaining to be honest. Only I only had a GoPro with me because that wasn't supposed to be videoing at the time, so. I sort of snuck some video in and then, then they wanted me to sign something saying I wasn't going to share any video, but, uh, um, yeah, anyway, I, I have some video. I haven't shared it quite yet, but I, I think I'm legal too. So my wife's here as well too. I'll scoot over a little bit. Was wife. this Janet who was in the chat earlier? What's that? There was, was someone named Janet Boyer in the chat oh. earlier. That's my mom. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> There's a bit of delay. If you scoot over, there's a bit of a delay between what you see in the screen and what's going on. Oh, your mom on, was watching. I, I guess so. Yeah. I can, for me, guys, if you guys are watching, I can see like sort of what's going on the screen, but I can't read any of it. So if anybody's saying something, I don't know what it says. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm trying. Happy with the comments. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my wife, she met me. You like? I didn't have a snake hobby back then, right? Like. Uh, no, definitely not. You had a snake that was in an, aquar in an aquarium that you kept. And I was like, well, I don't know. I don't really like snakes, but, you know, that's a little one. No big deal. And then, lo and behold, it turns into this. So, yeah, I've had to learn to, you know, appreciate snakes for sure. Are you comfortable now throughout the whole experience with different I snakes? Have, you know, I mean, I, I won't feed them, um, the ones that we keep. You know, I, I'll, I'll handle them a little bit. And I do love going to our snakes in the desert trip for me. I think, you know, that's a lot of fun. That was, that was the Palm Springs trip I was telling you where we take the kids and we all go road cruising. So, um, here, I turn it so we can see it. But, um, yeah, that, that trip, that's fun. I mean, like, like you have fun, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fun. I mean, I'll, you know, even if we're not going with, you know, the whole big group and it's just us driving the roads, you know, that's so it's fun. cool to see what you're going to find. So, yeah, I do enjoy that. I was telling them about the Cam Newton experience, you know, how, yeah, you know, I didn't know who Cam Newton was. Like, I was quite a <laughs> person in the u.s you know i'm like i just I, I don't know i i chase snakes i don't really watch football so but you know so but it was cool i mean you know my wife was there my daughter was there and oh yeah that was super fun and it was it was fun to meet cam you know and he's like a big kid and he's this huge guy you know um big, but it kid, was, big kid who's afraid of snakes yeah <laughs> yeah you know, but it was yeah certainly made for a fun day that's for sure yeah so but i was telling him how they wouldn't let wouldn't let him use any of the footage for his YouTube channel that he was supposed to oh, start. Oh, for Grant. Yeah, yeah that, so was, that was too bad. But. It was sort of counterproductive. But, yeah, but the show turned out really good. So I don't know if you – God, can we still even find like, – Yeah, I don't know if you I, can find it. If you looked in for – if you looked on – it's probably not on YouTube, but on Nickelodeon. I don't know if Nickelodeon has it. Yeah, it was all in with Cam Newton. It was They did a couple seasons of it, and it's one about – if you just looked in with that and snakes, you'd probably find it. But, again, I have some footage I'll share at some point, I guess, and – 
you can see, yeah, maybe that'll be my viral video, you know? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I think, I think your first one that I saw that got a lot of attention was like, uh, you know, a plane making like in quotes chemtrails, right? Yeah, there's, I didn't know there was a group of people and as much as, you know, I've flown my whole life. I guess people, some people think that like the government is spraying like the population to control us somehow. I'm not really sure what the general thought is, but um, yeah, so I had one with an airplane going by and, and it, you know, it's morning light. So it looked really, really cool. And I see them all the time, but this one looked really cool. And so I shared it and then I get all this weird comments and, and hate mail, like you pilots are poisoning the world. And, you know, I'm like, Oh, I, so, you know, and, um, but yeah, that one got a lot, that one got a lot of attention. I, I made another one that got a lot of attention too, where I, I was in the cockpit and there was another airplane next to us. And I took a picture of him with my iPhone and then I, I airdropped it to him from, from phone to phone, like a thousand feet away up in the cruise altitude. And that one, that one got really, well, I had to pull it because the airline got a little upset, but um, that one did, that one would have done really well. It did really well for a for lot of time until you got in trouble. Well, yeah, everybody feels that <laughs> you get something that you think is good or everybody else thinks is good. Like nothing belongs to you anymore. It seems it, people just copy it and take it for their own. And on Instagram, I think it's allowed via the end user agreement that people can repost your stuff but on youtube they're not supposed to but they they do it anyhow but uh your stuff can end up all over the place just you know as a heads up yeah and as as a normal person i was just like damn they they allow planes to fly that close to each other <laughs> yeah we got a thousand foot separation so it's it's usually a thousand feet going past each other so you'll see them as they go by over the pacific like i fly to asia quite a bit and because of the way the wind patterns are, everybody flying to the U.S. flies south. Everybody going to Asia flies north to get out of the winds. And because of that, you don't have opposite direction traffic. So then we'll fly next to each other a thousand feet apart. So we're not always next to each other, but, you know, it's like fishing. If I see a guy up ahead of me, you know, I just give a little power and reel him in and I get him up nice and close. And, you know, I don't know, something to look at. It's, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> a thousand feet away from you it's it's pretty cool have you been able to get any of your pilot co-workers to come herping with you yeah i've taken a couple with me um maybe two or three most of them think i'm out of my mind and that, that I, I i think the general perception from the average person when you tell them you're going to go out in a jungle looking for snakes they think that like snakes are around every corner and in every bush and that you'd be lucky to walk out <laughs> alive. And the funny part, you had to survive by eating snakes in the jungle. You probably died because you wouldn't find enough to, to sustain yourself. It's just finding snakes is not easy. Like people think it, it might be. There are some places like those pit vipers, in Thailand, we saw a bunch. When I was in Bali, there was a bunch of snakes in certain areas. But all in all, most places, it's just, it's difficult. You know, it's just difficult. And, and that's what makes it fun and frustrating <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, it's finding things that their whole life depends on them not being seen. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly it. Guys are like, why do you go out at night? And I'm like, well, you know those green snakes that are in the trees? Like, Good luck finding that in the daytime. You know, it's uh, it's just not going to happen. You're going to walk right by it, even if you know what you're looking for. You're just not going to see it. So, uh, for those who really don't go, you know, herping or looking for snakes at night, 
Um, in the tropical areas, most snakes will sleep up in the trees. A lot of them will. And if they're sleeping in the trees, they typically pick the branches that are overhanging so they can drop off into the ground if they have to. So with a bright flashlight, the scales are really shiny and reflective. So um, it's an easier way to find snakes at night. It's not easy, but it's you know, 100 times easier than finding them in the daytime. And will you happen upon, you know, an animal scurrying across the trail or is it usually up in the trees? Yeah, in the jungle areas, a lot of it's tree time stuff. There is stuff I'll find on the ground, but mm, not so much. Not not as much as you would think. You know, uh, I've, I've, you know, there's the one you saw that maybe you've seen in the ditches where I'm walking in the ditches. And that's, I won't even say exactly where that is, but when I walk in the ditches, the snakes, some snakes will get stuck in there. There are areas for the snakes to get out of there. Um, the snake hunters like the king cobras and stuff go in there looking for, for, for an easy meal. So, so I go in there looking for an easy snake to find. So, <laughs> and like, you might as well go, if I were to walk, you know, in some of those places, just on a path, I would never find anything where if I walk a canal, even though finding one in, in a canal isn't as exciting as seeing one, you know, out in the grass or in the trees or something like that it's not as exciting, but it, it is still cool. And it, it, it does up your chances, just like flipping the boards in Southern California. Like, like I've found king snakes just out and about, but you know, you, you just, you'd give up after a few times. You just say, well, this isn't fun. I don't want to do this anymore. You're not going to find anything. So, you know, you got to take advantage of what, what you can, I guess. And this may be like the Philly in us as far as where, where we live, but, uh, are you not worried about going out at night in these parks in these cities? As far as like people, like or? other humans, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm a little strange. Well, maybe I'm. Well, you know, I'm probably a little strange, but in that respect, um, I don't really worry about like any of that. I don't worry about other people or, you know, I, I think other people might be more afraid of me when. <laughs> when they see me in the middle of the night with, you know, I haven't had a haircut in a while and I'm usually kind of scruffy and, you know, I probably look like I'm like living there. Maybe I, I don't know what they think when they see me. So there's a good chance they'd be more afraid of me than I should be of them. So I, I just, I, I don't worry about it. I, I'd worry more work walking in the cities. Like when you say in Philly and stuff, like, you know, I used to do in New York overnights and there's some places in New York where, yeah, you know, I, I'd walk at night, but you know, it, you'd kind of want to get where you were going. You wouldn't really just kind of take your time and just kind of have a, you know, a rapid pace. Whereas out there, I don't, I typically don't see anybody when I do. I think they're just as shocked to see me as I am to see them. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, the weird part is I don't know what they're doing. Cause like, you know, and they don't know what I'm doing, I guess, but like who else would be out there? So usually it's somebody that's looking for snakes, but, you know, you see somebody in the middle of the night and you're like, huh, what's, you know, like it, it's a weird feeling. And a, a, another short story, I was in Hong Kong looking for snakes. I see some lights up ahead and I'm like, oh, well, there's somebody else out here. You know, what else would they be doing? Are they looking for snakes? And so I, I stumble across them, you know, and it's a guy and his girlfriend and, you know, and they say hi and I say hi. And they're like, hey, you're, you got that YouTube channel, you know, and it was, it was a it was a weird situation for me. It's the first time anybody ever recognized me off of YouTube. 
and it was in the middle of the jungle in Hong Kong in the middle of the night. <laughs> and I'm from Southern California. They're from Austria and Europe. And, they're out looking and I'm out looking for snakes. And the guy's like, I know you. I know your channel. And it was it was kind of a surreal experience. I don't know. It was. And we've, we've, the best part is we uh, remain friends. He works for Austrian Airlines now. And uh, he's a wow. sky chef. He makes some meals for him. He's come to L.A. on a couple overnights. And uh, we've gone out looking for snakes. Um, I almost met up with him in uh, Hong Kong once. Oh, I, we saw by mistake in Hong Kong the first time. We almost met up again, I think it was in Singapore. But anyway, we've become friends, and he's always sharing where he's going, and I'm sharing where I'm going. And it's just, it's weird how the world, you know, the world works out like that, where, you know, an unlikely meeting of two people, you know, like that ends up being a friendship. So that's kind of neat. To kind of piggyback off of Joe's question, do you carry anything with you to defend yourself from person or animal? Uh... Uh, let's see. Mosquito spray doesn't count, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my snake hook, I guess. I don't know how much that would do. Um, I, no, I mean, like, other than the stuff I take to film and the stuff I take, you know, for the bugs and stuff, you know. Yeah, I don't know, I guess is the answer. I don't, I don't, for one, I'd have to, if I was going to bring it, like if I was going to bring a knife or something like that, I'd have to carry it with me on my flights, which as a crew member, it's not a big deal, but it, it's still it's still something you got to be aware of because a lot of times we'll do flights like I'll fly to Singapore and the next day I'll be a passenger on a flight back to Tokyo and then I'll be a pilot back from Tokyo to LA. So a lot of times I'll have sections of flights where I'm actually a passenger, in which case I'm like, oh, yeah, I had a Coke in my bag or I had stuff that like normally as a pilot I could bring. But I'm like, you know, the security people look at me like, well, you can't have all that stuff. Like, what are you what are you doing with all this? You know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot I was going to fly as a passenger today. And. So, but no, I don't bring anything, you know, I bring my cameras, my lights, my snake hook, you know, and uh, mosquito spray. What's that? Your phone with the 911 or whatever. Well, yeah, I was mentioning, my wife's mentioning, earlier I, you know, I, I told them that like 911 doesn't always work. Most countries have 993 or 997 or, and that's one of the things I do is I have a, I don't put it on speed dial or anything, but I, before I leave the hotel, I'm telling myself, all right, 993 is who I call if I get, if I need help. Um, Are there any thoughts as far as, you know, like venomous reptiles um, about getting, you know, medical attention or anything in a foreign country? Yeah, that is always a concern. Um, my wife will tell you, and I think I mentioned earlier, like I'm always in shorts and sandals and my wife's not always so happy with that. So my last video, I wore you know, pants and shoes, but um yeah, I mean, it's so hard to find something just to begin with to get bit by something. It would seem like it'd be almost a one in a billion shot. But <laughs> obviously, you know, it can happen. Uh, my The odds on it happening would be when you actually, after you found it, when you're trying to get the video. Like I said, a lot of my video, I try and get shots. It's like, all right, here it goes. And, you know, I try and make it look like it's a solid seamless shot of it going. And here's the tail. And now here's the head. And now here's a shot from above. But to get that sequence and make it look like that's just the way it's moving. Sometimes I've got to actually move it three or four different times to get the shot from above. Now I got to move it back and get the shot from for the tail. Now I got to move it and get the shot of the head. And, you know, I, I try, you know, like secrets of the videos, I guess, like I try and make it look like there's, there's no touching of the snakes. And a lot of times there is, but a lot of times there is to get the shots I want. And that's the time I'd probably be at most risk 
But again, I don't, I don't touch venomous snakes. I don't freehandle venomous snakes by choice. I have a hook and tongs. So if I want to move a venomous snake, I have the means to do so as safely as you can. Of course, anytime you're touching something that's venomous, there's always a risk that something could go wrong. So, I mean, like, you know, I, I take all the precautions and I try not to put myself in harm's way. But, you know, staying in the hotel would be the safest thing to do, but, you know, like, where's the fun in that? <laughs> um, we have some questions from the chat that I wanted to ask you. Um, RAD House says, does he use different methods for finding snakes in different areas of the world? Uh, yeah, I do a lot of research, you know, a lot of the places now I've been to a bunch, so it's really easy, but like I was just in Africa recently, uh, and I was going to try and find snakes there. I had to do research as to like, do I go at night? Or do I go in the daytime? You know, are these snakes, you know, what temperatures are going to be? And, and there's a lot of that. Did it rain recently? And, you know, a lot of the things that would be ideal for you, like, oh, I wish it would have rained two days ago. And I wish the temperatures were 85 instead of 80. And, you know, there's all these things that if you live somewhere, like where you guys live, if you're going to go find a certain snake, well, you know what conditions would be best for that. I might know those conditions, but I don't have the luxury of choosing when I'm going to go. So when I get there, I get there when I get there. And then I try and use whatever knowledge I have to like, okay, I guess I wanted to go in the daytime. But that's not going to work now. It's just way too hot. I'm going to have to go at night. And you know, the tropical countries that are on the equator, Singapore is a good example the weather never changes. It's hot and humid every day. There's always thunderstorms. So I, I know when I can find snakes. In Southern California, come end of August, I can't find any snakes until probably February. So I'm sort of shut down at home and they all go into the ground and they brumate, you know, for the winter. So, um, you know, then I know when spring comes, I start looking under boards. And then once it progresses later into early summer, I go out to the roads and cruise the roads for snakes. So just knowing the area you're in, affects how you look and when you look and again sometimes you don't have the luxury of picking the ideal days but if you have enough knowledge you can sort of steer yourself into the situations that would be most productive and a lot of times they're not a lot of times you don't find anything but at least i'd like to think i'm knowledgeable enough to know when to go look so to answer the question yeah each place is a little different and once you learn the place and you've been there more than once the success rate goes up you know exponentially based on your experience. Great. Uh, Scott asks, have you ever found tree boas and how high were they in the trees? <laughs> uh, I, Scott, I wish. Um, I've never been anywhere where there are tree boas. Now, as far as like that family of snakes, uh, have I ever even found a boa? I found retics. I found pythons. So, and pythons I found in Singapore and Thailand as well, I believe. So I can only give you experience for that. No tree boas for me. I found reticulated pythons, which are the longest snake in the world, I believe. And based on knowing they're the longest snake in the world and how big they are, they typically are in water. They like to be in canals and waterways where their weight isn't as much of a problem for them, I guess. So that's the easiest place to find them is by water. Now, sometimes they will climb up trees. They go up short trees quite a bit, but typically the trees are by water. A lot of times they'll actually ball up in a tree and then if there's uh, anything that scares them or whatever, they'll actually drop into the water as a means of escape because they can't move very fast on land. So no tree boas for me. As far as retics, I've seen them in trees up to, oh, I don't know, five meters up. So 15, 20 feet. 
I think they go a lot higher than that, but I can't specifically answer your question just because I haven't found those snakes. So yeah, I can't help you on that, but I know the boas do go in trees as well as the reticulated pythons. And, um, you know, a lot of snakes like that, if they're not moving, they're hard to find. A lot of things, if they're just sitting still, especially when they're all balled up in a tree, hard to find. If they're moving, like if they're active at night, then you can find them. So finding them in the tree in the daytime, very hard. Finding them in the tree at night would be the way to go. Uh, the last question from the chat was from Mike, and he asked, has the coronavirus affected your travels recently? Uh, coronavirus. No trips to Mexico, I guess, right? Whatever. Oh, oh coronavirus. Never yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only corona life for me. Um, let's um, yes, it has, actually. Um, the airline I fly for is a Japanese airline. So I'm based in Los Angeles, but every trip I do is first to Tokyo, we fly to mainland China, we fly to Shanghai, we fly to Hong Kong, which is you know right off the coast of mainland China. Um, those are the only two Chinese cities we go to. Um, I haven't done a flight to Shanghai, and my wife says I'm, I will not be doing a flight to Shanghai. No. No. So I, I won't be doing any flights to Shanghai in the near future. Um, Hong Kong? Is that yeah. okay? Uh, yeah. No, no, Hong Kong. There's, there's no snakes in Hong Kong right now. Anyhow, so I'm safe for another month. So. Um, in Tokyo, which is, you know, Japan is, it's a long ways from China. I mean, it, you know, it's not like it's right next door uh, on, on a map it is, but it's, you know, there's a big body of water in between, but a lot of Chinese people do visit Tokyo. So everybody in Tokyo, all the local people, 99% of them wear masks where everybody I see wears masks, not the pilots and the flight attendants or anything so much, but um, the locals that live there all wear masks. Like, it's it's sort of bizarre. I, I've never for like pollution and stuff. Yeah, they do it. They do it anyhow. Like if anybody is sick in Japan, you guess you're just raised. If you have a cold, you put on a mask and you wear a mask until you're not sick anymore to try and spread. You know, to keep the spread of germs down. Um, but you know, like lately now, everybody wears a mask. So that's a little strange to see. Um, our flights. We have a lot of. I fly with cargo flights, and a lot of the cargo flights coming from Shanghai they're usually full. We have like 200,000, 250,000 pounds of freight, and now they're mostly empty. So uh, business-wise for the airline, that's a huge deal. And, uh, you know, I still have a job, so it hasn't affected me as far as working goes, but I do see a reduced loads on the airplanes and the freight flights. And, you know, personally, and, and this is just me, and, 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 and people are going to think the total opposite. I don't really worry so much about stuff like that. And, so I, I don't know. I just don't worry about it. Uh, maybe I should. Um, but I, I don't watch the news much. I don't. The last I saw was like, I know there's been a lot of deaths and I, I feel terrible for the people that are affected. But I think the mortality rate is still more around the lines of the flu, I think. But I, I think less. a lot less. Less. A lot less. It's way less. Yeah, you know, it's I, I know there's one of these. I hate to say it like this, but like flavor of the month type things where like something becomes really big in the news. And that is like what everybody talks about now. And like one news station reports it. So they all have to report it. So then it becomes like the thing to talk about. So, you, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not downplaying at all. And I have no statistics or anything to say one thing one way or the other. I just, I think it'll be a case where another month it'll just sort of disappear and, and you won't hear anything about it so much anymore but i could be wrong I, I don't know but i think statistics say it's it's actually 
less deadly than the flu. And, you know, no one really worries about the flu that I know of. I mean, I don't worry about the flu. I don't get a flu shot every year. I don't, if I get the flu, I get the flu and I, I'm sick for a few days and then I, I get better and I go back to work, I guess. I don't, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. And that's something to where, um, I don't know. We went to this museum recently about Philadelphia and literally like, like we had no idea how bad of people. The, yeah. So many people died from the flu in Philadelphia. Um, when I can't, tell it you. was in like the 1920s, yeah, <laughs> it's it like was in the just, depression well, era, but, or even later than twenties, but, but it's just so weird. Cause we think of the flu as such a little thing right now, but at one point it was huge and a huge, huge problem. But I mean, coronavirus, we went to Orlando and like a bunch of people had the mask yeah, on, the which is weird because no one here does it. But uh, yeah, I mean, like like you said, comparing it to the flu, I mean, we don't even care too much about the flu. Why would we care about I coronavirus? Did get my flu shot. Yeah. I did get I think anything that's new, anything that's like, like, what's this? We haven't heard about this. And then all my friends are like, you know, that comes from snakes, you know, and that's like, somehow that got in the news that snakes were involved. So then, Everybody came to me like, oh, you know, looking for snakes, see how deadly that is? They carry the coronavirus. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not the case, you know, but, you know, and, you know, being a cold-blooded animal, they usually don't carry diseases so much. But anyway, I I don't know. I'm not downplaying anything because, you know, one life lost is, you know, one too many. But um, statistically, I think it's going to end up playing out to where it's, it'll fall in line with the other, you know, things we have. And I'm hoping that's the case. I'm hoping it just sort of, reaches a peak and this sort of, you know, I mean, there was a SARS incident that happened, you know, that was a while, that was a, been a few years now. And I think that was way more deadly than the flu and definitely more deadly than this is. And that sort of disappeared. So, you know, my hope is it just disappears and, you know, I don't know if it'll ever truly disappear, but hopefully, you know, I don't know, hopefully we can deal with it the best way we can. And I, you know, I take precautions. I, you know, I, I do my best. I don't go around wearing a mask, but at the same time, you know, I, if I see somebody who's sick, I don't, you know, I don't go up to them, you know, or anything like that willingly if I don't have to, I guess. Do you have strict precautions as a pilot to not fly when sick or is it kind of? Yeah, it's, it's the biggie now is alcohol that, you know. <laughs> you say now. <laughs> That's frowned upon. <laughs> it's, it sounds ridiculous, but, you know, I mean, like, you know, we have strict rules, 12 hours, no drinking 12 hours before you're flying and all that, but. You know, I mean, that makes common sense. Like, you wouldn't do that. But, you know, there are people that don't go by the rules of everybody else, I guess. And there are people who have problems, you know. And and sadly, sometimes those problems carry over into their work life. And uh, so it's been, there's been cases of people that have been, you know, got in trouble for drinking and flying. And, you know, a lot of countries, you know, you land in the U.S., it's like, okay, well, you know, you got a union that protects you. And, you know, you got to go through all the, all the drama that goes along with it to try and save you. You do that into some countries, you go straight to jail. There's there's no court case. You know, you put other people in danger and, and you're going to jail for it. And 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 rightfully so in my mind. You know, I you know, there's certain things you just don't do. And, you know, if I wanted to drink and you know, drinking was my thing, then I wouldn't be a pilot. I, I guess I'd do something else. Cause, you know, I mean, it's not just the people that are with you, it's the people that are under you. So um, you know, that that we have to do alcohol testing before each flight. We got to blow into a straw and say, "Hey, look, we're we're fine." And then when we land again, we got to blow into a straw again and say, "Yeah, we're still fine." And so it's gone a little bit overboard with the Japanese airlines as far as how much they test us. But you know, fair enough. I mean, like you know, I, 
I don't mind having a beer and a glass of wine with my wife for dinner and stuff like that. But you know, like if I'm working, I don't, I don't drink. Like it's, you know, it's just a zero tolerance thing. I would expect everybody to do the same, but you know, you know, not everybody thinks the same. So, you know, but precautions as far as like flying when you're sick. Yeah. We have guidelines about flying when we're sick. We're taking medication, depending on what the medication is, whether we can fly. If you've had a surgery of some sort, you got to wait 30 days before you fly. We have a lot of stuff, but I don't even know. A lot of it you won't know until you something happens to you and you're like, oh, let me look and see what I have to deal with here. But the biggie is your ears typically when you're flying. I don't know if you guys have flown when you're sick, but like when you descend when you're sick. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. And it's, it's you know, like literally as a pilot, like, you know, you guys are the choose in the back. But like if I'm a little bit sick and my ears are still bothering me, but I'm okay to fly, but I'm like, oh, my ears are bothering me. Like I'll start my descent like 300 miles earlier. So I can just <laughs> gradual, you know, so I don't have to be at the mercy of who's up front. I'm like, oh, I, I can take care of my own ears. And, you know, so, um, yeah. But, yeah, the ear thing can be a real pain. My wife was a flight attendant for quite a few years, like 15 years. Somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. So, so she knows about that too, so. Would they let you fly uh, with being sick, or what was the rules? No, um, I mean, you know, if we if we were like sick and we had a fever, then of course, you know, we wouldn't fly. But if we, you know, had a tip, am I even on? Am I... Yeah, it'll take a while. There's a bit oh, of a okay. delay, but you're probably. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. But if we just had like a little cold, you know, we just control it with cold medication, and you know, hope for the best. Yeah, but she had, she had people in the back, so. You know, when you're in front of everybody else, it's probably worse. Up front, you know, it's like if you're a little sick, it's like you know, it's not fun, but it's not like it's not like everybody looks at you like, oh, you know, great, you know. So um, it's just the ears is the is the biggest thing. And I've had a few flights where I'm like, oh gosh, you know, make it go away type of thing. Oh, and we would have tricks for the passengers too if they were like dealing with ears. Oh, here, here, tips for the pros. <laughs> you got some tips. <laughs> this was just like an off the record thing. We would take uh -oh. styrofoam cups, and if you take um, paper towels and you'd get them in the hot water like we use a little coffee maker thing and put hot water then they're nice steamy and hot but not dripping you know you want them ringed out and you put them in the, in the cups and if you hold them over the ears then it does something with the pressurization and it totally relieves you know any ear pain so it's a little little trick and you look <laughs> really cool as well so that's also a plus do you think that's real or do you think she was just messing with some passengers like oh this is like oh it works <laughs> look at I me i'm it. There you go. Pro tip right there. If you got a cold, put some, put some styrofoam cups in there. There you go. Well, I mean, last time we flew, we flew Spirit and Frontier, and there was a, a dent in a plane and also a, a little bit of a, a little squabble. I don't before. want to bring it up. We sat on the plane for an hour and a half because there was a dent in it. So say that again now. You, you guys were delayed departing? Yes, we were delayed for an hour and a half because there was a dent in our plane. Well, you, well, you don't want a dent in your plane. I, I was <laughs> they said like everything was good to go. It was just like bureaucracy stuff. Like they had to take pictures and send it off to headquarters and like get it approved and like all this annoying stuff. But yeah, it was an yeah. hour and a half. Well, my, la my last flight, I went through a place called Djibouti, which most people don't even know where Djibouti is. It's in Africa. It's by Somalia. And, and Wait, I thought everyone knew where that was. Growing up? Yeah, Eritrea, all those weird places. Uh, oh, anyway, that's funny. We had, you know, we had the door, one of the cargo doors got bent a little bit, and 
it turned into a big deal because out there there's no support. There's no real maintenance center to get parts. And so, yeah, they had to send a picture off to Boeing who makes the airplane to take measurements and make sure everything was good. And then we had to get the approval from them and they had to send it back. And it, it, there is a lot of paperwork to make sure you're legal to go. Even if they say it's good to go, you just don't depart five minutes later. It takes it takes painfully long. And I'm not a real fan of Spirit Airlines. <laughs> is anyone? <laughs> Thankful for Spirit my, my wife, she's from Kansas City, so she's she's thankful for Spirit because they have nonstop flights from LA to Kansas City. Um, uh, you know, they're, you, they're way less expensive than most of the airlines. We they do it off, for necessity. Off, yeah, they start off cheaper, but but by the time you want to sit with your family, by the time you want to <laughs> put your bag, God forbid, you want to put your bag in the overhead bin. <laughs> Or, or you bring your dog. You want to bring your dog along? Oh, don't even think about that. That's like a hundred. You just gotta dollars. know the drill. That's all. Anyway, yeah, everybody's got their own thing. But for me, Spirit Airlines. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you fly them. We fly them though. Yeah, I fly. I might. Be yeah. The I, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think we we reached our point where we're like, if we don't have to, I think we're we're gonna really try to. We could go Delta or <laughs> even American. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the people. The people are nice and everything. It's just I, I get a little irritated when I have to pay for a check, not a check bag that goes underneath the airplane, but when I have to pay for a bag that ends up under my seat or in my overhead bin. Uh, for me, that's crossed the line. Like that. That. Like, why even put the overhead bins in them? Let's let's just get rid of them. If you got to pay thirty five dollars to put your bag in a bin. You know, like Spirit Airlines, everybody has their little Spirit backpacks that are literally, they just barely meet the requirements for Spirit. You don't have to pay for them, and you can, like, cram everything you you, you have in them or something. Yeah, yeah I, don't I, I don't know. I, I, I joke don't... with my sister, though, when she was, we, when they got their tickets to fly out here, I said, just be prepared because, you know, you're going to need quarters for the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but if they're going where you're going non-stop and it's convenient for you and you don't have to bring a lot with you then it's a real inexpensive way to go so you know you can do that <laughs> you can well yeah. we've gotten totally off subject from reptiles and we are over our two uh hours so okay. um lou if someone wants to reach out to you what's the best way for them to get in contact with you yeah well it, I want to say thanks to anybody who's watching that watches any of my YouTube videos. Um, I, I, make these, I make these for you guys. I mean, like I, I share the experience. I literally can't go anywhere without a camera anymore because I feel like if I find something cool, I can't share it with everybody. So if you like my videos, like subscribing to my channel means a lot to me. I usually just say, hey, subscribe if you want to at the end of my videos, but it actually means a lot to me. I like to see people that actually watch my videos and I don't know, it makes me feel good. If you want to reach out to me, uh, my email address is just my, my name, L-O-U, and then the letter B, and then the number 747. So just like my YouTube channel, LouB747 at Gmail. So, you know, if you want that top secret spot, you know, to go find those tentacle snakes, can't give it to you. But, you know, if you want some spot in Singapore for some Oriental whip snakes or something common, I can give you that. So, um, you know, I, I try and help whoever I can, whoever reaches out. You can message me through Instagram or Facebook or, you know, any of those too. So, um, yeah. Man, that's something I forgot to bring up. Tentacled snakes. And that's something that I feel like <laughs> how many people have seen those in the wild and everyone sees them and is like, I wish I could keep that thing in a fish tank. 
Yeah, I can't tell you how many messages and, and everything like, hey, man, where'd you find the tentacle snake? Hey, where where was that? You know, like, can you give me the general area of where you found that? And I'm like, I told the guy that I went with, like, you know, I'm not, I won't share the location. I won't share any video that reveals the location. And as much as I, like, some of these guys are my friends. And I'm like, look, if it was your spot and you told me not to share it, I wouldn't share it. So you got to respect the fact that I can't share it with you. As much as I want to, I can't. So um, I will say they're more common than people probably think. We, you know, we found more than one, and, and I'm guessing you could probably find them in quite a few places if you sort of had a general idea of what to look for. And they seem like they would be super cryptic. I mean, how are you even able to see them at all? Yeah, they kind of come up, and they'll. everybody says, like, if you try and keep one, you need to have the cleanest water. They live in only the cleanest water. That's why they don't do well in captivity. But where you find them in the wild is in the dirtiest water you could possibly imagine. So it's sort of opposite to what you would think. And if you look along the shores of canals and, and waterways that have some vegetation along the side, any of the vegetation that's growing in, in the canal, they'll be up there just kind of hanging across whatever's in the water. They typically won't be out of the water, but they'll be within maybe an inch of the surface, just kind of draped across a reed or a branch or whatever happens to be there and it's easy just to overlook it and go oh, you know it's nothing but they're there and they're there in numbers if you know where to look so sorry i can't tell you <laughs> no i'm glad we snuck that in if you said tentacle snake without us elaborating people would be like what the hell why would you let that go <laughs> um, that video views i don't like no one really watches that video and i actually think it's one of the better videos so you never know how youtube works as far as what videos people like to watch well, I'm going to give you an extra view right after this because I need to watch. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate the support. I, I appreciate you guys inviting me on here. You know, I was a little bit not skeptical, but like I when I first started my channel, I don't like being in front of the camera. You know, like I just videoed snakes from behind the camera. And then I started watching the videos. And I'm like, well, if there's nobody in the video. It gets a little boring. So I'm like, oh, I guess I got to be in the video. And so now I've gotten a little bit more comfortable being in front of the camera, but literally sitting here doing this live is, is putting me out of my comfort zone, uh, like a long way. So I appreciate you asking me to do it. And I'm, I don't, I don't know. I'm, it's I'm, good to step out of your comfort zone. It's good. Yeah. I mean, like, there you go. it's easy to stay in your comfort zone. If you don't get out of your comfort zone every once in a while, then, you know, it's sort of a boring life. So I'm glad I did it. I'm glad you guys asked me and, you know, hopefully you guys, somebody views this and, you know, enjoys it. No, we appreciate you going out of your way to be here with us. I mean, us yeah, here. I think you did great. You didn't seem nervous or skeptical at all. I think it was awesome. Oh, awesome. Well, yeah, again, thanks for having me. If you if you ever want to talk about something else, you know, the Cam Newton video or something, we'll, we'll, <laughs> what we'll do is we'll pull that up in the background and we can kind of go over what happened and uh, we'll do that or something. That'll be fun. That's awesome. There you go. Reaction to Cam Newton herping. <laughs> That's a good YouTube video. Yeah, we'll, we'll pull up some of the clips and we'll do it on one of your live videos or something. We'll be fine. <laughs> that would be amazing. As for us. Um, thank you for everyone who uh, joined us tonight in the chat and who's going to listen to the audio version of this later. If you want to reach out to us, the best place is Instagram, Facebook, Port City Pythons. Our YouTube channel, obviously, is Port City Pythons Podcast. And then we also have Port City Pet. And then our website is portcitypythons.com. Email the portcitypythons at Man, gmail. we have too many things. Too many things. We just need like a little 
thing if it ends, so I don't have to say this. scrolling credits. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, and as we said in the beginning, we're going to be in New Orleans in three weeks, and we can't wait to see all of those uh, great vendors at the Herp Show and see Absolutely. Sean Gray and Lori. And to be in New Orleans. To be in New Orleans. I'm beyond excited. Oh, oh, oh. What, what is that? March 7th. New Orleans. That sounds like fun. Yeah, let's go. Epson skimboarding competition. Maybe, maybe sounds like. We get beignets. Yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no problem. Um, so, Lou, we will still be on with you, but good night to all of the people watching on YouTube, and we will see you next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs>